Welcome, once again, boys and ghouls, to another episode of Halloween is Forever. We got a fucking banger for you tonight. We got our September showdown episode. Uh, and if you haven't listened to recent episodes, you don't know why I was singing that gorgeous falsetto just now, because that's one of the movies we're going to be discussing uh, tonight. In fact, Meg's movie in our modern slasher showdown episode for September. It feels like Six months since we've done a showdown episode. August <laughs> felt forever. It, it really, it, it really, truly did. We we had an extra Monday. We talked about that. So we had four mini episodes, right? Yeah. Four mini-sodes between yeah, now and pretty, the last Halloween sitcom episode. Feels like it was forever ago. But we are actually in motherfucking September. It is chilly. <laughs> Meg's got a beanie on. I have a motherfucking beanie on today. We, this we walked inside. It is gorgeous. It's sunny. It's crisp. There's a fall crispness in the air i'm psyched um my halloween decorations are starting to explode out into the home uh looking around the uh the the podcast the the crypter kel here uh you're starting to see some stuff leak out um in in very much in halloween fashion and within two weeks my house will just be a, a fucking disaster it's like a a thrift store exploded in my house here pretty quickly but um yeah we are here to discuss modern slashers now, if you remember, earlier in the month, we voted on what our topic was going to be. We put, picked three randomly from our random topic generator from our, from our uh, ever-growing list. And you, our, our friends on social media and our wonderful listeners, selected commandingly modern slashers, which, reminder, we have determined is 2000 to present. Mm -hmm. Our... All three of our films came out within four years of one another, yes. <laughs> so we didn't really take advantage of that full two decade span. We we all we we stuck in the teens and the twenty teens. We considered it. It, it. Like there was consideration. There was, there was a couple from the early two thousands. Yeah. I thought about yeah. We just all coincidentally landed between twenty twelve and twenty sixteen. Yeah. Uh, twenty twelve, twenty fourteen, and twenty sixteen respectively. Um, once again, I'll remind you of uh, of what we're going to be talking about, uh, Meg was the first film chronologically speaking mm. and the inspiration for that that gorgeous falsetto um <laughs> which is the remake of maniac from 2012 mm -hmm. steve's got 2014 um it's a sequel spiritual sequel it's a sequel remake and whatever we'll get into it <laughs> yeah we'll get it we'll get it we don't need to get bo bogged down in the weeds yeah. of uh the town that dreaded sundown from 2014 mm -hmm. and then i did hush from 2016 so we are gonna be talking about those some bitches i'm just tonight. letting you know right now that the entire time that you're talking the stone cold steve austin theme song is playing in my head <laughs> i'm talking making jokes getting loosey-goosey and i look over and meg is staring at me with just this cruel, lifeless eyes of like, I'm going to end your life tonight. I'm about to start smashing cans together. She came in with 40 pages me. of notes. What? She, 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 what? She came in with just, I mean, she's she is loaded for bear tonight. Yeah, um, I'm fucking around. She is not You know, and around. Steve, I'm not ignoring you either. I, I clearly know you're a threat I'd rather, tonight. I'd rather you ignore me and just take on Brian. That's... Oh, God, guys. 
guys, this is working. Brian's so just already. way more I cocky. Love how great I know. This is working. Look, Brian's sitting on oh top of the mountain. Oh my god! Two months, <laughs> three Pete is about to come to fruition uh, this week. But in any case, let's let's jump into it. I will not let you son of a bitches gang up on me. Um, all right. So yes, if you have not listened, if you're new to the show, a couple of things we, we like to do. Once a month, we pick a, a film that is associated with a particular topic. Maybe it's a subgenre. Maybe it's a some other type of topic. Last month, we did favorite Halloween sitcom, sitcom Halloween episodes. Um, we did camp slashers. We did religious horror. We select a topic and then we talk about the movie. We get a, an allotted kind of time to talk about our movie and then everyone attacks that person and tries to tell them why their movie isn't the best. And you try to deflect and, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and weather that storm as best you can. At the end, we have some votes and we determine who is going to reign supreme and who's going to take that gorgeous fucking strap back there that is hanging over a skeleton's shoulder on the chair behind me. Um, and, and then you get to reign supreme for a month. You get to take the belt with you. You get to walk into giant Eagle up to the deli counter, slap that fucking belt. Give me some motherfucking chip chopped ham. Chip chopped ham. I'm the fucking champ. I get the champ discount. We have worked something out with giant Eagle corporate, um, which means the champ gets 15% off all deli meats. Um, that's really no, specifically listen, to the victor go the specifically <laughs> one particular deli item yeah but the one the only one that matters and uh and you know to to the victor go the spoils i mean that's that's what it comes down to um before we get into that as always we got some snackies yes. we got some spookies I we got some spices so terrified. meg's terrified this is Steve and I are going to come in with a, I don't know, maybe this will fuck us all up. I have no idea. We've got a couple of things. Actually, let's talk about beers first. How's that? Okay. Because we're all going to, our mouths might be on fire here. In a sure. Um, who wants to talk about their beer first? Anybody care to, to jump go, in first? Because I don't care too much about it. it <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a super dick about it, but it's just, I don't Listen, know. Listen, we're coming off last week where we all hated, actually, no, we didn't like our beers. And we didn't like Meg's beer because she liked her beer, which was, I forgot to tell you guys this, not to go off topic, but after we left, I was like rinsing out the cans to put in the recycling. No. Yeah. And I dumped the last little bit of what was left in your was can. Was it a it's whole like, banana? It <laughs> unpeeled a whole banana. Yeah. No, it literally looked like fucking baby food. Oh <laughs> it was sick. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm just drinking a whole punch double dreamsicle by Hitchhiker. Uh, it's an India Pale Ale, and they have this series where they just make IPAs that taste like desserts. They have some really good ones, like uh, we were talking a lot about, like mm -hmm. cream. Uh, they have a key lime pie one the that's really good. The most one is good. really good. Um, uh, this one, eh, it's it's fine. Is it pretty vanilla forward? Not, like not even. Sickle? No, no, really? no. It just kind of tastes like an orange IPA. Interesting. It's not. Ter yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not overly sweet, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it doesn't evoke the orange dreamsicle as it once. There you go, Brian. More ammo. Yeah. After Andy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go yell at Andy, tell him his beer sucks. <laughs> tell him, make it soft serve. Um, <laughs> now, Hitchhiker, they, they generally do a pretty good job. But yeah, I mean, they brew a lot of stuff that's not necessarily my style. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot of other people's style. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of their pastry stouts. And they also have like a really, really good smoked stout, smoked coffee stout. Yes, mm. that was absolutely killer. That, and their other coffee, just the, sh is it called the, the shakes? The shakes. Yeah, That's just, just the shakes by itself. Yeah, in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, I really like that. But 
Uh, Meg, do you want to say what you're... Sure. I'll start off with what I'm drinking, but also what I'm planning to drink for for the official episode. This yeah, is yeah. like my pre-show. Pre-game? Drink. Yes. yes. I, had my, I, had a, I had a new Glarus Oktoberfest before this. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, I have um, another one in there. Help yourself. Uh, so I brought actually a beer from the brewery I work at, North Country Brewing Company. We do a lot of sour beers, mostly like kettle sours. Um, that are usually fruited and have different stuff. But one of our most popular ones is the Sour Series Peach Cobbler. And we just packaged this motherfucker today. So I was like, yes, I'm going to take one and I'm going to drink it tonight. So that's what I'm currently drinking to start my my night off. And then I also brought, because pretty sure I was like, what beer do I want to drink to talk about my movie tonight? Mm. So I opted to bring Psycho Candy. You know, a little sweet. A little crazy <laughs> from Notch Brewing Company. Your shoulders were doing some talking. <laughs> <laughs> little, she little like, mm, saucy. Little <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a Scottish Maybe a little Shania sweet Twain stout. shoulders going. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like a woman tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're a okay. rocket scientist. Okay. <laughs> that don't impress me much. <laughs> I just want someone to be like, oh, I wish so one of us was brewing. doing a Brad Pitt movie. Okay, so you're Brad Pitt. That don't impress me much. Um, it's a sweet or Scottish sweet stout, which I've obviously I've never even seen one of these exist. Maybe mm. you have in your time. There, Bellhaven does a a, a a Scottish stout. I don't believe it has lactose in it though. Uh, yeah, and I also brought it because I saw Brienne is leaving Notch. Soon. Oh no! Yeah, she's like moving on. I don't know exactly where she's going, but I know she's definitely taking a breather. With all of the craziness that's been in going on in the beer industry, so imagine, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll tip one for her tonight too. Um, shout out to Brian. Yeah, go. you know what? Coincidentally, Notch Brewing, one of my favorite breweries in the world, from Salem, Massachusetts, very spooky, spooky town. Guess who else is from Salem, Massachusetts? Hmm. Mike Flanagan, the director of my movie <laughs> tonight. <laughs> all right. Guys, all hey, I'm saying hey, hey, is, hey, is save it for your time slot. Listen. Remember, you're at 20 minutes. Now. Yeah, the 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 dominoes are setting up. The dominoes are lining up, boys and girls. Um, no, this this smells fantastic. I, I got to try that that peach cobbler. Um, I went just it's again. It's it's September the second, which means it's Halloween Eve, pretty much as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I jumped right into it with an old standby, one of the beers that reminds me most of fall, going way way back to my college days, uh, a pumpkin uh, from uh, Dogfish Head. Just classic, really s- solid malt forward pumpkin ale. It's got pumpkin. It's got pumpkin spices. I'm just going basic as fuck here tonight. I am. I am a stand for the pumpkin ales. People really shit on them, and I don't give a shit. I am all about the pumpkin ales you know, for, you know for pump- September and October. You know what pumpkin beer I really want to recreate because I like miss creating it. Like I don't. I, I like have yet to like really love a lot of pumpkin beers. Uh, no, but it was when I worked at Rivertown, I loved the pumpkin beer. It was simple. Like we used real pumpkin. It was always like a thing. Yeah, it was like headless Wileys or something. It wasn't like that, that one. It was like a pub original that they oh, didn't gotcha, translate gotcha, gotcha. to a can. I see. Because they always served it on nitro too, mm-hmm. which also just like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was like super creamy and just like thick in a way. I like, yeah. And I was just like, give me double sugar rim please Just see that's do the it. thing i don't fuck with the sugar rim oh, the sugar spice double. rim i mean don't get me wrong it's not like i hate it or something like that but it really like it's just so overpowering to me 
Um, that and I, I don't know. I get, I get. If I could just do like, do you not half like of Fun it? Dip? <laughs> no, I don't. Like fun you I'm know what? A to B, when like, I was a like, kid, the like powdery eating. texture is exactly what I don't like. <laughs> um, and Fun Dip, when I was a kid, this is absolutely asinine. But I used to really like the stick that comes in the Fun Dip. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Which, you like chalk? But yeah, sweet chalk. Well, sweet chalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I did not like the actual Fun Dip. My yeah, kids yeah. love Fun Dip, and I'm always like, mm. let's move on to the snacks. Let's now get them snacks. Let's get. I'm just trying to I avoid know. every ounce of snacks, I and know. I should like Meg warn just, everyone. Meg is just stalling. I, I feel yeah. like I Quit wish that would have been the snacks. I would have known coming into it, but I, I sent the guys like a mask that I was like, I want to buy this mask, and it could be a fun mask up for a show. And Brian then threatened me. <laughs> With listen, a bag what I sent you was Nashville very mild, <laughs> very mild. The, the Nashville hot chicken Cheetos—they're very good, but they're—they're they're not that hot. Um, you you would absolutely be able. They okay. weren't as hot as the Tijuana Mama. Okay. So you could do right, yeah, this. Yeah. I cannot vouch for in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this might be super disappointing, or it might wreck our lives. I got this recently, and I thought, listen, it's got a spooky picture on it. It's got a ghost. It's got a skeleton who is carrying like a little. Almost like a little, uh, uh, I don't know, it looks like a fishing pole, maybe? I is don't know. Scythe, I need to see maybe? this label. Well, I, I ripped I, I part to... of this thing off, so what is it? It is, no, it's a fishing pole, because there's a little skeleton fish on the end. But oh, then weird. it has a uh, it has a little lantern on it, and he's breathing fire. And this is oh. from <laughs> countrymeats.com. <laughs> that, <laughs> I love when my meats come get... from a dot com. <laughs> what a... Yeah. What a sketchy website that probably country is. Countrymeats.com. Is that hosted on GeoCities? My question what is, hell? what fucking country? Yeah. yeah, who knows? They don't specify. Countrymeats.com. We have got our ghost fire. It is a smoked pork snack stick yeah. in colored casing, <laughs> smoke flavor added, and it does say made with one of the hottest peppers on earth, the nope. ghost pepper. Let me see this. So I need yeah. to know. I, I feel like I need to be very cautious in touching it. Yes, that's well. That's kind of you could see I was being fairly ginger. Okay, I'm just gonna have to grab it. That's okay. Um, Knowing me, I'm definitely going to uh, touch my face and some and then way, feel like you know, if you want to eat one of those, if you feel like you want to cut your own own up, feel free. Um, I'm gonna lick my fingers just to get a little feel for what's going on. I don't know. It doesn't feel that hot. Well, you might have to get into the meat. Yeah, I, I think you're right. All no, right, you got to get into. We're into it. Meg has not yet. She's letting us be nope. the guinea pigs. Meg is stalling. <laughs> Meg loves I'm stalling. I'm allowed to. I'll tell you this. Don't. No, no. Don't. No. Don't. No. No, no. All right. All right. You know what I'm going <laughs> to also do is I'm going to record myself Please do. on this one. Please do. Okay. Um, do I you, have. I, can you I hand definitely, me the plate? Yeah. I pride myself in, in have Not pride myself. Not like it's like an ego thing, but... I definitely have a, a fairly high heat tolerance. Right. I eat a lot of very spicy sauces and things like that. Yes. Meg does not. For no. those of you who are new <laughs> to the show, Meg does not. She has very low tolerance for heat, but she's getting sweet. better. I'm getting better. I'm trying. You are. Yeah. You know, it's all. You're not yeah, like you're, you're my, my mom. Ride. Like Velveeta is too spicy for my mom. So like, <laughs> you're not there. You're not there. Trust me. You're starting from a decent place. That Dukes, it's really spicier so than Hellman's. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm almost like Slim Jim. Yes, it, it it's like a thicker Slim Jim. Yeah. I'm going for a second bite, so it can't be that bad, right? It's honestly not that bad. No. Yeah. Do you, It'll build on you a little yeah. bit. Hey. Don't spoil I'm it for her. myself props. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely hitting the throat now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it's not it's not giving you the reaction that like the Tijuana mama did where you're just like I don't love it. I've gone for seconds, guys. <laughs> I, I'm gonna ask you, it's yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come up on you a little bit. But here's the thing. I know like really spicy things and my body knows when to panic. Mm-hmm. Like I've had sauces <laughs> I've had sauces or I've had like items at like uh you know Thai restaurant or something right. where I'm like okay like panic is kicking in. This is a problem. I'm going to start sweating and, and, and breathing heavy. This does not get you there. No, no. I have sauces in the fridge that'll get you get you, get you there. This is not it's, that. It's uh, definitely a... Te- you can te- feel te- the yeah, heat like, coming out. Yeah, you can feel it coming. It, like, it's not as bad as I thought. It, it spikes like, real quick, but then like it just kind of dissipates really quick as well. Yeah, it doesn't quick as well. And, and I chose the perfect beer to drink with it. A fucking sour beer that's just going to be like, hey, you want to keep this Mingle. spicy this year? Do it. A lot of acidity, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what I have for you to, to... So that's the spicy. Here's the spooky. I've got booberry and frankenberry fruit roll-ups. Yeah. So feel free. I'll, uh, I'll try not to... Can we use the knife? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I don't know what else we're going to do with these. I will. Uh, I'll put them there, and then you guys can feel free. I honestly want more of the sausage, though. It's really weird? not bad. It actually has a good flavor to it. Yeah, it really does. For for the janky packaging and the uh, countrymeat.com, right? <laughs> it actually is pretty legit. I'm not, it's not too bad. Hey, countrymeat.com, sponsor us. Yeah. Can I get a little bit more of that <laughs> sausage? Halloween's forever presented by Country Meat. As always, presented by CountryMeat.com. Would anybody be upset if I just take these last pieces no, of sausage? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah, I have only had the blueberry. I've not had the Frankenberry uh, um, fruit roll-ups. And I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. the The blueberry did vaguely resemble blueberry cereal, <laughs> vaguely. In terms of like, I feel like the whatever flavor house they get that from. What's wild yeah. is I can smell those a lot more than I can smell the beers. Mm-hmm. Like that is a lot of like whatever artificial flavors going into them. Oh it's yeah, a lot of it. Very candyish. Um, I think any of the red one. The Frankenberry. I mean, maybe it's just my imagination, but I want to say it vaguely resembles the cereal in terms mm-hmm. of that like fake strawberry flavor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it smells like it. it yeah. Like it smells like Frankenberry mm-hmm. from here. Blueberry definitely does. Those are tasty. Mm-hmm. I also just like love fruit roll-ups. Like, I'm one of those assholes that's like definitely gonna have gushers in my house all the time. Yeah. You know, like, I just recently bought um, Arizona tea fruit snacks. Uh, what? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they were brand new. That's cool. Uh, yeah, Wait, they're pretty flavor, good. What flavor though? What flavor? Well, they have two. They have like a regular kind of fruit punch mix, and then they have a green tea mix. And like the green tea mix is weird because it's like green tea plus a mango, green tea plus. Oh, that apple. sounds kind of good. Nice. I love green tea ginger mango. Like that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. combinations of flavors. Yeah, but it's uh, the the green the green tea ones are a lot better. These only vaguely taste like green tea, though. Really, it's just like a little slight grassiness. Yeah, in the back but kind of like they're good. Yeah. Like they feel they're they're much more refreshing than like a really sweet like gross. I feel fruit like snack. I would love these because I love the texture of gummies, but mm-hmm. the sweetness becomes kind of burdensome yeah. after a while. They're not that the green. Where tea does ones, it? Where does one find a green? I just tea? ran into them at Walmart. Really? Yeah. Nice. Hmm. I'm looking for those. Yeah, I was just doing regular ass grocery shopping, and I just saw that. And I was like, "Oh, just, that's mine." Just I guess. doing adult <laughs> shit, and you get. To, that's why I love grocery shopping, especially this time of year. There's so much wacky shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say I posted something the other day. Me and my uh, my daughter went went grocery shopping, um, and uh, yeah, I left with a whole cart full of. I, I'm, I'm just a child in a grocery store, especially like in the last year because we've been doing basically uh, uh, delivery. Yeah, because yeah. okay. we have some grocery stores to deliver out this way. Yeah. So most of the time. 
we get del groceries delivery and we just order the same thing. Say every week it's the same handful of things. Now I've been kind of back in a grocery store, like the impulse buying is through the fucking oh, roof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, that, that being said, we've got the spookies, we've got the spicies. Uh, let's jump into the flickies. We got some movies here tonight. Um, <laughs> staring <laughs> very aggressively at me. Um, wait, was there something you want to say, or is that just an intimidation factor? No, I feel like you sort of. I like. Are, are we? Are we setting boundaries now? Like, cause I feel like we. You. We are you entering are the Thunderdome. <laughs> if you look under your seat, both of you, there is a bag of tacks. Um, there is electrified barbed wire around the perimeter of the room. Um, so, first of all, because I'm going to forget, um, if you haven't already. Uh, go check us out on the social medias. We do a lot of stuff on there. We're going to be doing some. We're going to be doing a really cool giveaway soon because we just hit. We're actually well over it now, but uh, just a few days ago we hit on Instagram follower six thousand six hundred sixty six. I think we're almost at seven thousand now, but or seventy eight hundred maybe sixty eight hundred. Um, in any case, uh, we are going to do a really cool giveaway, like a legit, very sweet uh, item uh, that we're partnering with um, a uh, an independent artist on, and it's going to be pretty sick. So. Keep an eye out for that, but follow us on the Instagram for just daily spooky ooky stuff and some, you know, updates when we're posting an episode and you can help us vote on our uh, showdown episode topics and all that fun stuff. So it's at Halloween is forever on Instagram, on Twitter, it's at Hallow forever, Halloween is forever podcast on our Facebook page or Halloween's forever pod on Gmail if you like to send emails. Um, so this is how this is going to go. If you don't remember from the last couple times, or if you're new to the show, the reigning champ, the dude, <laughs> gets to pick the order, which is me. Soon to be the dudette, you know, I'm just saying. Currently, <laughs> for the time being, I'm still holding the strap, so I'm picking the order. I'm going to take a, a similar approach as I did to the last episode, which is I'm going to go in the middle. So I'm going to I'm going to stay strategic here. I'm going to go in the middle, but I am going to switch it up cuz I think it's only fair. Cuz last time Meg, correct me if I'm wrong, you went first. She did, did because she was did. very upset. Yeah, she was. Oh yeah, she was like, "Why do I have to go first?" We're like, "We're only 3 episodes in or whatever." Four, four um so yeah. She was so, also unnecessarily mad because she was upset she had to go first when she had never gone first before. <laughs> There's literally 3 of us. Yeah. <laughs> There's three people on this show. Um, Guys, I'm allowed to be irrational sometimes. <laughs> so Meg went first this time. And so I'm not going to make me. Although now I really think it would be funny to make her go first again. You know I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No, I'm, no. I'm, you're going last. Five pages You do. And they're notes. printed out. It's very intense. I motherfucking printed this shit in like t 13 point font you did. I might need some lighting I don't know if these light. are attack or defend notes either I don't know I like, really is, don't is know notes like just ripping they're our written in apart? blood which is the <laughs> most <laughs> the most bizarre thing they're in red they're scrawled there's like four words on each page well she had two weeks to do it so <laughs> that's true she's looking very pale like maybe she lost some blood but um, in any case uh, so so I will say uh, Steve if you are willing I would suggest that, that you go first then you, I'll you, go you ask him like what the shit is <laughs> this guys, guys. Seriously, this is going so good already. Listeners, listeners this fed. is going so well. Um, I'm going to go second. We'll have Meg bring it up. We'll have her really just stew over it. Just think about it for a long period of time. So um, so let's let's jump into it. Steve, the, the floor is yours. Let's talk about that film. The movie, again, I picked. 
The Town That Dreaded Sundown, a remake from 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not seen the original until uh, I watched this one. Like, I just watched I, it I mean, the first this time week. like last year. Yeah, like yeah. I watched it just today. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of sort of prepare, I also did a little research on the, uh, the Moonlight Murders, which is what that movie was based off of. Mm-hmm. And technically, this movie is based off of. Yeah, all a.k.a. the Texarkana murders, a.k.a. Right. there's like 10 different, you know, names yeah, yeah. and stuff like that for him. But, but yeah, the, the the film occurs in Texarkana, like uh, Brian just said. And it is about, it, it, it's about a resurgence of the Moonlight Murders and the Phantom Killer. Uh, it is taking place in 2013, so, like, they even set that up at the beginning of the film and say this occurred last year mm-hmm. because the movie came out in 2014. But then they also give you enough dates and headlines and everything to figure that out. And they, they kind of, like, do the thing almost like it's um, like it's a mockumentary-ish mm-hmm. type of thing. Kind of like what the first movie does. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah so not, a, not as much. Not as much. So, yeah, the, the first movie it was a lot more of a police procedural, and I think we've mentioned that on the show before. Yeah. It, uh, it it also has a lot of Dukes of Hazard humor in it. <laughs> it really does. The yeah. first one almost feels... It's such a weird movie, the first one. Yeah. Yeah, the movie... The first one's very weird. This one is a lot more straightforward of a slasher film, mm-hmm. uh, but it also has uh, elements of uh, a mystery and a whodunit to it as well. It's mm-hmm, uh, al- almost uh, similar to Silence of the Lambs or Mindhunter, the, the TV series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty excellent in that way. Uh, the very first thing you get right off the bat is this wonderful one take that comes up in. It starts with scenes from the first film mm. and then it comes up and the camera continues to pan up above it. And you see that it's shown on a drive in theater. Yeah. And then it moves into the drive in. And this is something that actually started occurring within Texarkana around 2003. Uh, they would show movies all through the drive in. But the last movie, Halloween Night, was always The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the mm-hmm. 76 version. Mm-hmm. And so they're essentially recreating something that already happens in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With this drive in uh, theater experience. I love Such that it was on trip. Halloween night and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was pretty cool. It was a cool feel. Cool yeah. feel to open up the movie for sure. Yeah. The kids all looked like they definitely tried to. Sp- straddle the line between modern and like 70s ish aesthetic Mm -hmm. like it kind of felt somewhere in the middle that's kind of the point of the film of just like letting you know that texarkana is still very much stuck in the past sure because Mm -hmm. it's stuck in these cycles of violence but uh yeah you have this wonderful one take of the camera coming up over the back of the drive-in theater and then it moves into the drive-in theater and you see a lot of the characters you're introduced to the uh main character uh, played by Addison Timlin right off the bat, and she's with her boyfriend, Corey. They uh, then move throughout the crowd, and you see a lot of other characters that you're going to run into and, like, their importance. It's almost like they get to know the cast kind mm-hmm. of thing, but, like, in one big shot. It was right. a great, great opening shot. Yeah, you you don't necessarily know their importance at the moment, but it kind of sets the... Uh, it kind of sets the scene and gives yeah. you a feel for the town. You know how I knew I was going to like this movie? Besides, it starts on Halloween night. When I saw um, uh, Ed Herman, who was the pastor. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm, I, from yeah. Lost Boys. He's from Overboard. Those are two mm. of my favorite films of all time. I yeah. was like, all right, Ed Herman's in it. I'm probably going to like this movie. Yeah. Uh, another character that you see really early in the beginning, but you have no concept of how he plays into the film, is you see uh, Charles B. Pierce Jr., who is playing the son of the director 
of mm-hmm. the original film. Right. Yeah, he's right. been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, so he's, he's you see him most commonly in uh, American Horror Story, and the director, Alfonso Gomez Rion, mm-hmm. uh, he got his start, well, not his start, but like his first kind of big hits yeah. was directing and producing uh, seasons of American Horror okay. Story. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so you see... So I know you see, him from the other stuff. I'm, hard, I'm having a hard time placing him, and I meant to look him up, and I forgot. Yeah. He's he's in a lot of stuff, but yeah. you, you see, then yeah, Dennis O'Hare, uh, is, he plays the son of the film director, who like Charles B. Pierce Jr. is a real person. So again, this is where you start getting into the blurred lines mm-hmm. of the meta of this film because yeah. it acknowledges the reality of the Moonlight Murders and it also acknowledges the reality of the film, but they still call it a film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it right. exists in a film in this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Right. So, yeah, uh, after that, they uh, you have the main characters of Corey and Addison Timlin. They leave the drive-in. They go off to a lover's lane kind of park situation. Mm-hmm. And, you, <laughs> and you get the first kind of brutal attack by the Phantom Killer. Yeah. I love I love the scene where they look over and he's he's creeping in the woods mm-hmm. too with yeah. the sack, you know, with the sack yeah, mask yeah. on. Mm-hmm. He's got, yeah, he's got the sack Which is probably on. the most iconic imagery of the original movie. Right. Certainly. Mm-hmm. And probably this one too, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it, the Sackhead Killer is I mean, it, that was kind of the original description of the Phantom Killer mm. because uh so to go back to the Moonlight Murders quickly. Like the first attack, both people who were attacked survived. Mm-hmm. And so they were able in real to, life. In real life, in yeah, real life. Yeah. So they both survived and they were able to provide a description and they described it as a guy with a sack over his head. Mm-hmm. Like a burlap sack. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how they were able to translate it into the film and that's why it continues on but that Burlap sack headed killer is something that has progressed through a lot of different films. Tons just, of movies are like loosely, very loosely in some instances, based on the Texarkana murders. Yeah, or most notably yeah. Friday the Thirteenth. Right. You know, a lot of these. I, I feel like if you were a serial killer and your nickname was Sackhead, <laughs> I think of Sackboy be from like the so, I'd you know, be place so upset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, like how BTK kind of always wanted to like manipulate like what he was called. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, just just pull a BTK. You yeah. Know? Just like yeah. everyone wants to <laughs> like, be the Night Stalker. Here, you can't all be the nickname. Night Stalker. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Richard Ramirez could have been disgusting breath, but right. he ended up being the Night Stalker. <laughs> he could have been the halitosis murderer. Well, but also was kind it? of like there's multiple California Night Stalkers. So you're like, OK, yeah. it's not like, you know, you have OG and him. So I mean, what other kind of stalker is there I, besides the Night Stalker? <laughs> Who stalks in broad hey, daylight? Wait till I talk about the my Walmart movie and we'll talk that's about, true, that's we'll true, talk that's about The Walmart stalker. The, <laughs> the Payless stalker. The Fashion Bug stalker. <laughs> the Rush Hour stalker. Are you just talking about the employees of these places? It's just <laughs> yes, like... Yes. Uh, when I worked at Fashion Bike, I called myself the Fashion Bike Soccer. I mean, you know, it's my prerogative. Um, yeah, but uh, you get this attack. Uh, uh, Addison Timlin, her character, is dragged out of the uh, car. And it, it, the attack goes down almost very similarly to uh, the Zodiac kills. It felt yes, very that, Zodiac. That was exactly like. what, what in my and, I didn't know and about that one. Later on in the film, they try to draw a uh, kind of uh, kind of tied to that, they say that there's a possibility that the original Moonlight murderer uh, left Texarkana and went to California to be the Zodiac, but that would have been like 20 plus years between 
between but inspiration murders. could have definitely existed, you know, could've, like could've. You know, yeah. the likelihood it was the same dude's pretty low. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think what I think what really we're seeing is the director is sort of uh, in a way mimicking and tying to other filmmakers, mm-hmm. and so like that first opening shot is very similar to something that David Fincher would do, who directed Zodiac. Uh, then you have you know this attack that is also it, it's very stylized mm-hmm. because it's all lighting lit. and yeah, stuff. it's yeah. all mm-hmm. lit with the tail lights of the car, and you see the shadows of Corey being attacked. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily see the knife going in all the time. Which, it still manages to be pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely are scared and you're like freaking out, but it also kind of had this like classic feel, you know, mm-hmm. because we knew of things like Zodiac and stuff like that. Right. But also maybe even like a throwback to the seven, like 60s, 70s where this lover's lane idea was like right. super popular. So that's like one of these like an easy fear to tap into like oh we're in the it dark felt like a folk like, story-ish kind yeah, of thing yeah a little yeah. bit and i but mean just the, com- but the shadow i think plays into yeah. ever how this movie plays out and, co- and just coming right off of you know candy man we spent a lot of time talking about like the power of legend and the power of myth and like that's what a lot of this film is sure it's about continuing on the power of legend and the power of myth and like things getting twisted so like the original moonlight murders i'm pretty sure they were just all committed with guns yeah like it was either a twenty two or a thirty two. And some of them were shooting people through the window, which they do later. Right. But like, yeah, that they were a little less. Um, they were a little more hands off than the movie would suggest. Right. A little bit. Yeah. It was. It was. No trombones were used. No trombones were used <laughs> in, in the, the original murders. It, yeah. it wasn't uh, knives. Can't it wasn't wait till we talk about that. <laughs> it was just basically, I'm going to shoot you through your through your bedroom window, right. or your mm-hmm. living room window, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then, yeah. Uh, Addison, she gets chased through the woods and you get almost the evil dead camera following her Mm -hmm. and you have the phantom killer uh, following her. And then you have one tiny little interesting frame. Yeah. Which I still don't fully understand. So if you think about it again, the very first attacks, both people survive. Yeah. And when you first see this, you're given the sense that why is she seeing a ghost of her boyfriend? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I rewound it. Yeah. First time watch for me. Yeah. I rewound it. First of all, sorry, not to sidetrack. First time watch for both your movies. Yeah. I thought I had seen your movie before. Mm-hmm. I had I had not seen either of these movies. Okay. I thought I had, but in any case, I rewound that to see the Corey. Wait, what did I just see? Yeah. And then and then within the next couple of minutes after, I was like, okay, I've not seen this movie. I thought I had, but <laughs> yeah. So you're you're given this really quick frame of Corey in the woods, and this is something that speaks to like the attention to detail with this movie. In that you're given this quick flash of Corey in the woods, and it's almost like, oh, that's kind of just like a weird stylized thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the film, you find out that Corey survives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that you go back to the original murders, both people who were attacked survive. Yeah. And so it, it mimics that perfectly, but also mm-hmm. that what you really saw was a real flash of Corey in the woods being almost perversely voyeuristic mm-hmm. of his girlfriend being attacked by the other phantom killer. Yeah, at the time it's very disorienting. Yeah. Cuz you just you just saw him be dispatched in, you know, pretty brutal fashion. Right. And then all of a sudden he's standing there. Yeah. I the think it, I think it works in a lot of way because it still allows you to have that questioning throughout the whole movie of like 
who is the killer, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought I feel it was like a ghost was... or something. You know, I thought yeah. it was some symbolic, right. hey, it you throw, know. It, yeah. it, they throw you a lot of curveballs as to who you're supposed to think the killer is. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, totally tons of it's red herring, that, red yeah. herring the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which there's is a, great. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot great. of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they go through. Uh, she winds up, you know, being chased down by the phantom killer, is attacked, and then she finds uh, she, the killer tells her to basically make them all remember, mm-hmm. right? Because it's now time again for the phantom killer to rise up and terrorize Texarkana. She's left alive, and she crawls through the woods and out. To the other side of the drive-in, crawls out into the drive-in and like under the screen, yeah, under the screen. So everyone's looking at her. Headlights are on her at that point. I don't want this to give too much away too soon because I know you're just like at the beginning. But I mean, we we clearly learned like she shares with the one dude that she like had left school or she was like in journalism and stuff like that. But like then the killer keeps Corey alive, which we learn later on. But I'm like, what I'm curious is like, how did he know? Like, it almost seemed like he like pinpointed her, but it's not very clear why her, besides the fact that she has this like cryptic background and she's a writer. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think that's just it though. Like, if, I mean, but how if, did he know she was like into writing? But, um, if she Corey was if, in school yeah, with her, if she, if she, but, so that means so that, like, those are things I think that like, so, come so together, just, you know? the, just like, to you skip have, the you vagary, because you have to make yeah. those like assumptions. Yeah. Just to skip the vagary of yeah. like the, what you kind of gave to the audience, but like Corey and the other phantom killer are in league together. So they're both right. killing together. So if, uh, if she had revealed that she's in the journalism to Corey, mm-hmm. that's information he would have passed on to the other phantom killer. Right. So that's something they probably would have planned ahead of time and set up, mm-hmm. which is also why the Phantom Killer would know to find them in that remote spot that they parked in. Sure. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's kind of a lot. It, it, there's there's a lot of things you have to infer, but it's a right. lot more set up and you know thought out the the way they're going to terrorize the town. Right. Um, but he's a copycat killer. These are copycat yeah, these killers are co- yeah. of the original. Right. Right. But they're so. also copycats of the uh, of the movie, because right. they, sure. in later right. on in the film he reuses the trombone, you know, stabbing trombone. Yeah, they like <laughs> and they use that, which as is the silliest part to... of the first movie, but probably the most memorable part. Right. Oh my gosh, so. it was. It would be weird if they kill. didn't have it in there. Right. So I get it. But. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they almost use that first movie as like, oh my god, where is he going to go next? Like when they're like, oh, let's check out. It's like a farmhouse thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, yeah, it, they're definitely. Yeah, they, they reuse, I mean, it, it depends on, like, which murder you're kind of talking about, but, like, the pattern itself follows, so the original movie almost perfectly follows the, the pattern of killing, because mm-hmm. it gives you the exact date, What it, it the only thing the movie strays from is the names and the way they're killed. But it, the the victim the victimization of like the first two survive, then another couple mm-hmm. is killed, then another couple is killed, and then I think it's one more couple is attacked, but only the uh, the male is they're attacked in the home, but only the male is killed. the mm-hmm. The female survives, mm-hmm. so that they they it's they're structured the exact same way both of them, because the next kill you get is the the army guy who comes home. Yeah, and then takes his girlfriend to the hotel, and they're banging in the hotel, mm-hmm. and then he comes. Classic. Yeah, <laughs> classic hotel banging. Yeah, listen, get it, stories all this time, song is all this rhyme. Yeah. We know it. Uh, I oh man, I want to talk about that murder because I really liked 
oh, knock on the door when you come back. Smash head yeah. through the like <laughs> head my through head's the window. gonna yeah. actually <laughs> knock on the door, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. So good. Head through the window. She jumps out the window and breaks her legs yeah. and disgustingly. Yeah. And then he chases her into the her old car. Compound fracture. Yeah. Way <laughs> compound fracture. Yeah. Chases her to the car and murders her there. He did stalk. Yes. He was doing the old fa- the old slow walk stalk routine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, but yeah, which is, you're I mean, just gonna hurt yourself so I can take my fucking right. time. <laughs> Swinging arms like you're not, fucking Conor McGregor. You're not gonna yeah, get yeah. that far. Yeah. Uh, but also at this time they're bringing in the the heavy artillery. They've got both sides of the town because one side's Arkansas, the other side's Texas. Yeah, <laughs> just to make those Which people mad. Which I was always <laughs> laughing at, like the grandma who comes into play later, and she's like, "I never left Texas." I was yeah, like, you never went on that side of town, right? Your whole life. <laughs> that was that was one that kind of stuck with me. But you yeah. know what? Maybe it's your whole possible. life you never went to the gas station on the other yeah. side of town. To like Possible. get some Fago, like you've literally never done that once. Look, we're in Beaver County. You can't be that be like that, you know. I mean, and we people... also live in Pittsburgh, where people don't go through bridges or go through tunnels and go like no, over I bridges. Get you know it, what? But everything out there's like, flat as fuck. On. And it's not like she lived in the middle of Texas or even on a bordering county. She lived in a town that Main that Street split two states. <laughs> on one side of Main Street is Arkansas and one side of Main Street's Texas. And she's never been on that side of Main Street. Maybe mm-hmm. she's the kind of rude of like people from Philly who just considered New Jersey part of Philly. <laughs> That's she, was true. Just, uh, she was just considering Arkansas part of Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. So you're saying they, they kind of bring in the, the cavalry. But yeah, yeah. They bring in the cavalry cavalry and they also bring in the texas ranger right who is played by anthony anderson which i fucking love he's plays yeah. such a good cop yeah he's a good I love cop anthony anderson yeah he's great like he's he, like the big swinging dick cop pretty too, much well. mm. but yeah he comes in he's the big swinging dick cop and he's essentially playing a mirror of the movie version of the texas ranger who was also yeah. named morales Oh, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, so so there there was a real Texas Ranger known as the Lone Wolf, and his but he his name was uh, Guazales, so uh, Manuel Guazales. So he that's the real Texas Ranger that the movie was based off. But in the '76 version, they changed everybody's names, including his name. The only thing they kept was that he was the Lone Wolf. Uh, didn't even make that connection. Yeah, Anthony Anderson comes in and he says he wants to be called the Lone Wolf. I think it, 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 he's trying to say that he's earned it and everything. Yeah. But I think he just wants to be called the lone wolf because he knows what situation he's in. Yeah. Like he wants people to he acknowledge never really, him that way. Yeah. Backs that up. Right. He never is like, does anything even vaguely um, impressive really. Right. Even. <laughs> so like if you, so the story of the real lone wolf Guazales uh, he like chased down like border jumpers and like, uh, like, uh, not necessarily like illegal immigrants is what I'm saying, but he mm. chased down people who were like in trouble for something in yeah, America. They were yeah, fleeing for yeah. some crime. And, and he would run yeah. into Mexico by yeah. himself and chase people down. Wow. Like, yeah, the dude was nuts. And he's like in the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Anthony. <clears throat> so Anderson, he played hockey, is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Anthony Anderson coming in saying that he wants to be ca- called the Lone Wolf. And he obviously, again, because we already established that the movie is a movie in this world. Right. He would have known about the real Lone Wolf. Mm. So he's trying to mimic that guy. Right. Didn't, didn't even kind of make that connection. Because this movie 
straddles this sequel and remake mm-hmm. so much from scene to scene that in my head it was just a remake and it also yeah. straddles reality so much as yeah. well and and again because uh because the killers are following the pattern of the original moonlight killer mm-hmm. that's why it also comes off so much as a remake because you know, they're they're sticking to the formula mm-hmm. you know the theme that i really hope everyone takes away from this is you know what think for yourself don't follow stories i was like i'm just like scared and terrified this this town is like has nothing going on and they're just like well there was this movie so we can just like recreate that you know if you're gonna be a serial killer at least be original right (laughs) (laughs) so that's what i'm saying that's my message i don't know if it meshes with meg's message or not So you, you just made a good point, though, Meg, though, of like there's nothing going on in this town. Yeah. And that leads to like this big town meeting where everybody has all these fears and they're they're expressing like oh, we can't show the movie anymore. We can't do this. A lot of Bible thumping. A lot of Bible thumping. And it, yeah. it, it's interestingly shot that it, it mirrors Brian De Palma in the way you get these big giant speaking faces mm. over top of crowds. Mm-hmm. And like the the speaking faces are like representing the rest of the crowd because you see a lot of people like in agreement with what's right. being said. But like Brian De Palma did that a lot of like just putting giant faces over uh, over top of crowds and like mixing um, it, it, to the lesser extent. Like if you remember Tarantino's uh, Kill Bill, mm-hmm. the split screen of Daryl Hannah's character walking down the hallway whistling while Uma mm-hmm. Thurman character was in the hospital bed mm-hmm. that's something else that gets done a lot but you're evoking de palma and tarantino i yeah. thought of fear street 1666 <laughs> 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 that you know the church scene where they're all like you got you, sure. got, you brought the devil on us sure. i, I mean, just call, wanted to send know. some cyanide kool-aid there and take care of the problem <laughs> yeah Let's just go. figured out tell them we got refreshments yeah. hey within <laughs> within the context sure yeah but uh yeah so again the murders continue. You have more people getting killed in gruesome manners. You get to see the town as a whole in different ways because you go to uh, I, uh, you go to a funeral service for Corey, who everybody thinks is dead at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. and a kid that you saw in the drive-in. Yeah, shows who had up. the shirt on with the yeah he title the, of the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he had the movie shirt on, and he was very dismissive of the preacher in the drive-in. He reappears at this funeral service dressed as the sackhead killer, and a marine shoots him and kills him. Uh, this precipitates like the police celebrating and they go to like this big fancy country club where yeah who was that was that some sort of was that a country club like i kind of didn't know who the it was it was just some sort of country club or like like uh there was definitely people there were high-ranking people in the town were there it was a club for the elite yeah for everybody to and they just were coming together for like a a holiday party because because uh again the original murders occurred from like march to may this is set halloween so they're going through all the uh they're, they're going through all the holidays essentially mm-hmm. this is an extended period from like halloween to new year's yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah the the police go to this country club where all the high-ranking highfalutin members of society are and they tell the tell them that oh we got the guy he's been killed and then they have a celebration with that as well but two of the people playing in the band leave the event and they 
go off to have an encounter in a junkyard. Mm-hmm. In like a weird, cool junkyard that I want to hang out in. It was a real, yeah. <laughs> it it was wasn't really of... a junkyard. It was just like a cool place where they keep like big, cool, like, like, it felt Ferris like there was, wheel yeah. type stuff. It felt like, like a lot of county fair shit was <laughs> yeah, done there Yeah, I was well. like, I want to go hang out there. <laughs> yeah. It's like the place where where uh, the, the it, um, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation, where like the mm-hmm. daughter goes and hangs out. Or like Nothing a, But Trouble. It was a oh, Nothing yeah. But Trouble junkyard. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That's a better description. But uh, yeah, the, yeah the, uh, these two guys go off to explore their sexuality mm-hmm. uh, because it's Texarkana, so you have to go hide from you know, yeah, if you're gonna have gay sex, you gotta go to the junkyard, right? Because there's a lot of Bible thumpers <laughs> hanging around. Honestly, the junkyard kind of sounds like a gay bar, so <laughs> actually, hey, that's a great name. Sexy. The it's whole not thing. bad, it's kind of, yeah, it's yeah not I bad. think it's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. I'd definitely go to the junkyard to feel safe. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the horniest I've ever been in this podcast. So it's, <laughs> Got, that got pretty horny pretty quick. We didn't, didn't mean to. But yeah, uh, these two. I don't know if it's the ghost pepper sausage or what. Frankly, yeah, I actually want more sausage. Maybe it's doing both. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're there, but uh, the phantom killer is waiting for them and uh, executes them and almost recreates the kill scene from the movie in which he shoots the one, uh, he shoots the one boy, but then stabs the other boy who was a was a female in the move in the previous mm. film. Yeah. But Super stabbed aggressive. the other boy in uh with the trombone knife. I honestly I, I haven't seen the the OG one which I need to go back and see, but I was I mean, like you're probably when I was, okay. It's not yeah, it kind of <laughs> like, sucks. Really but like watching that kill I was just like this was a thousand times more brutal than the first one. The right first of like, yeah. also a ska fan, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was like, guys, do not disrespect the trombone like that. <laughs> I listened to Real Big Fish for the whole day after that. No, but seriously, or it was less than Jake. It's not Real Big Fish. Come on. But anyway, it, you know, the first movie, it it's I don't want to say it's not played for laughs. There are some no, there are definitely some played for laughs things. But it, oh, there definitely yeah. is played for laughs scenes in the first movie. But it almost feels like a weird uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit Part yeah. Two kind yeah, of thing yeah. or whatever. But the 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 that kill is borderline comical in the first movie. It is, and this movie. It was brutal. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the stab, literally the stab effects were very good. Yeah, yeah, no. So, really good. yeah, to, because I just saw it, like the, to compare, like the first film, the the woman's screaming and she's in terror, and that's pretty good. But, yeah, the, like, the person who's getting killed is good in the yeah, first yeah. one, but the effects are almost non existent. Right. The effects are non existent. And, like, while he's trying to do the kill, like he's blowing into the trombone. Like he's playing it, but he's yeah. he's not making any sound with the trombone, and he's not making any sound himself. Yeah, I'm just so waiting just like for all the band nerds yeah. to like be freaking out right now. Like, That's not hey, how a trombone works, right? It'll never work. Was that, your, was that your band nerd? Just, I have a lot of friends that are band nerds. That's not how they sound, Meg. God damn it. That's not that's not how you play a trombone. You gotta purse that it. That's actually that more that's accurate to Way life. Better. Yes. Band nerds have wet mouths to play their trumpets and trombones and stuff. They need a lot of spit. They need a lot of spit. Listen, my last name's Reed, guys. Sorry. A lot of clarinets in his family. Yeah, a lot of woodwinds. We're a woodwinds gang. But um, uh, yeah, but what in the remake, it's a lot more brutal. He's like, he's sounds like he's really forcing it in there. He's like making a lot of noise. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know? 
He's getting... like he's practicing his like sc- like scream growl, right. but he's just like in a trombone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and then you also just have generally better sound uh, design. Everything's shot better. Yeah. The cinematography's yeah. better. They're, yeah, like the, when they go up a little bit and you're just like, see the whole thing, you're just like, oh, it's happening. And, yeah. and did you happening. notice when you see that overhead shot, if you look up in kind of to the left-hand corner, there is what appears to be a makes a makeshift sign that he probably left that says legacy. Mm, no, I didn't, didn't see I, that. Like, yeah. Again, attention I, to detail no, in this film. No, this is like another great. sidebar. Is like I've seen Hush like a few times. Like watching it for this the this episode, I've seen it. This is probably like my third or fourth time. Mm-hmm. But like yours, I in watching it, like he said that I actually feel like I've seen some of this movie. Like it was like vaguely familiar, mm-hmm. but maybe that I wasn't fully paying attention when I watched it. So there were certain things that happened. But I also agree that I'm like there's probably things in his movie I like could catch differently. Versus yeah. like yeah. I wanted to watch I feel like I just need to watch all of our movies like multiple times before we <laughs> Yeah, it takes me whenever we watch movies for this show, uh it takes me like an hour and thirty five minute movie. It takes me like three hours to watch because I mm. keep pausing and grinding <laughs> and doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah. So, so uh we've we've kind of strayed away from Jamie, who again is the main character played by Addison Timlin. Mm. We've strayed away from her, but throughout all of this, she's getting threatening calls from mm. the killer. She's getting threatening emails, uh, which you think is from the killer, but it turns out it's from the pastor. Um, and then she's also kind of falling in love with a new boy. Mm. Oh, as, boy. She's, as she's doing her little journalism, she uh, goes to a records hall and runs into, I think his name's Rick. Is it? And I think I believe his name's Rick. Okay, okay. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, she she starts a little romance because you know Rick Nick Nick Nick. Nick. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but she, yeah, they start they start a little romance because you know he's helping her out, but he is also obviously very much a red herring, you know, because right. he's big time. He's, yeah, he's he was a, one. Um, I don't know if we're gonna touch him, but the pre, the pastor was one. Well, in the, the first one, even one. the pastor yeah. was one. Even before that, Ricky Bobby's daddy. Yeah, Ricky Bobby's <laughs> yeah, dad. Yeah, he was a big red herring. They well, they really wanted him to like when they were in the police station when you first get introduced to Anthony Anderson's character. Mm-hmm. They're very much like grilling him a little bit of like why you know so much, right, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Not not the characters, but the, the camera is kind right, of, right, right. Yeah, Gary Cole, aka Lumberg. Yeah. AKA Gary Cole is his real By name. By the way, this is this is uh, this is completely off topic. I apologize. Um, last week when Meg was making fun of me, remember when I was saying deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> do you remember what that was? Do you, do you figure out what that was from? No. Lumber, it's, it's office, office space. space. Yeah. Lumberg. Yeah. When they're when they're uh, when they're hypnotizing him at the beginning. I've only seen. I've definitely seen Office Space, but I've only seen it probably a couple times. Yeah, but so. yeah, uh, Gary Cole is definitely set up as a big time. Uh, red herring as a yeah. possible killer. Sure. Uh, he's super dismissive of Jamie. Uh, he's questioning a lot of other people. He just walks around with a, th- a you know, an air of authority mm-hmm. um, that is also kind of dickish. Yeah, and they make him turn out to be like kind of a scumbag. Yeah, kind he's kind of, of a scumbag, greasy and then jerkwad. Even he he is he is representative of probably the last murder within the Moonlight Killers uh, series of murders, in that he takes a girl home from the bar. And they're attacked in the home, and the home that they're attacked in is also the shooting space of the film from '76. Okay, the, the, the same, farmhouse there. Yeah, the same scene was shot. Yeah. Okay, I didn't but, know that. It makes sense. Yeah, during that scene, he's uh, getting a little brain in the head, in, in the chair, <laughs> and 
I've he's, heard that term for a while. Little brain. <laughs> Getting a little brain. And he goes to reach. As one does. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. And he starts reaching on the end table that's right next to his chair. Mm-hmm. And his gun is on the end table. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the sense that, oh, is he about to shoot this lady in the head? Yeah. And then reaches past and grabs a beer. Yeah. And then he's probably... He's just pr- George Costanza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's promptly shot in the head. <laughs> yeah. In the eye. Right through the eye. Right through the eye. Bam. Yeah. Which is a yeah. good effect. Yeah. Good effect. Good effect. Yeah. I mean, they're, all of the effects are good. Like, they are. The, I don't think that it, there's a lot of practical, and I think maybe there's some of them are sweetened by CGI. I think so. But there's really nothing that stands out as, like, uh, egregious CGI that you just mm-hmm. go, Ugh. Nope. I don't think so. Yeah. Can't um, think of any. A lot, of, and I think that's also due to just the way the film is shot. Like, um, you see, people are like they get attacked and they get hit, but it doesn't really happen on screen. Yeah. So moving past the 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 murders that just happened with Gary Cole and his lady friend, mm-hmm. Jamie, the main character, she has been fighting with her grandma the entire time played by Veronica Cartwright, who uh, you may remember as the short-haired lady in Alien. Mm. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew you were talking about. Yep. Yeah. Um, but she, it, it, the whole time, she's been getting acceptance letters to California uh, schools. And mm. her grandmother discovers this and she says, Look, this is now's your time. Mm. It's time to leave this town behind. And you know what? Fuck it. We're just dropping everything and we're going. Yeah. Middle of the night. Yeah. Packing the car. Yeah. She's totes like, I won't go on the other side of town, but I'll def go to California with you. Yeah. Let's get, yeah. Let's this is where you first hear. I've never left Texas. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did we talk about the, the shot where the, you know, after the kill is shot through the, through the window in the house kind of thing mm-hmm. where they do that kind of transition to the director shooting the scene in the movie. Right. Yeah, we didn't. We, we didn't. Th- we didn't really talk about that. that was, but that that's was how my they... first scene, fa- my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just. It was a weird, slightly disorienting. But they, they're like, wait, what's happening yet? Okay, now I see what's happening. Like they, they, it's just that transition of like again, this like the movie, the reality almost feels like a weird dream state. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that. That was the part that really kind of made that concept sink home for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're like. They shoot out and pan out and around whenever the girlfriend of Ricky Bobby's daddy uh, is is strung up like a scarecrow and the older couple who are getting in their truck, like going to church the next morning, see her and then they pan around and then you see like the director shooting the uh, shot of the or framing the shot of the shot that came through the window in the first movie. Yeah, it was just it was yeah, kind of clever. I yeah, thought. you see you see somebody playing the role of Charles B. Pierce and he's filming the Phantom Killer shooting through a window the exact way he just did, you know, five you know kind of like five seconds ago when he killed Gary Cole. Um, so uh, I skipped ahead a little bit too much. I want to just go back for a second sure, sure. to uh, they find out that Charles B. Pierce Jr is still living in town. And this is a character you've seen in different places. He's He was at the drive-in. He was at the town hall meeting. Uh, you see him around town. Uh, but now you get to learn what his relevance is and that he's the son of the director mm-hmm. of the original film. Yeah. And this is where, like, the meta really, really starts to mm-hmm. <laughs> right. build up. But uh, they go and they talk to him. And, you know, I, the one disappointing part about this scene uh there's all throughout his houseboat that is dried 
docked in this <laughs> dredge. <laughs> and they say, he's like, he lives on a boat. Or he yeah. makes some comment about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, he, tells, he tells a wild story. But mm-hmm. the, 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 the thing I was upset about is throughout the houseboat is there's a whole lot of town that dreaded sundown memorabilia. But there was no Boggy Creek memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> I looked. <laughs> Come on, guys. The, the other You're film... <laughs> in love with this piece of shit movie from 76, but right. you don't like Boggy Creek? The, the other films oh, that uh, Charles B. Pierce is most known for is Boggy Creek and Boggy yeah. Creek 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of which Legend of Boggy Creek yeah. and Legend of yeah. Boggy Creek 2, yeah. One, one of which appeared on Mystery Science Theater. So, yeah. A very famous yeah. <laughs> MST3K episode, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they... Uh, in in the houseboat though, uh, the son of the director tells a story of a person who was killed after the murders in May. Right, and he was found on the train tracks, and they actually attributed that to the Phantom Killer killing himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But really, that was the last victim before the Phantom Killer skipped town. Yeah, they wanted to get it off the books. Mm-hmm. They said this is a convenient way to tell that story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's what they go with, and but it. Turns out that he has a grandson, the person who was murdered, and it's very likely that he has been told the stories about how his family has been maligned and how his family has been thrown you know, down the well of being the phantom killer. And now it's very likely the grandson is the new phantom killer. Mm-hmm. You know, just finally cementing that name and taking revenge right. on the town at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we then skip forward. Do like we were talking about, you know, uh, Jamie and her grandma are about to leave town. They stop at a gas station at like four in the fucking morning. Not smart. Not this whole thing. <laughs> Guys, murderers coming to get us, right? Things are going wild. Let's escape in the middle of the night. Yeah. But let's stop and get some coffee cakes. Right. And don't do it on the turnpike 40 miles up the road. Yeah. Let's stop up the street walking Maybe distance from really what we were Maybe she really wanted to experience about. the other side of town, you know, the town. <laughs> right before she left. <laughs> she was like, on, I never saw any of this shit. Let's get a little empathetic yeah. here, Brian. Yeah, this the shit's all brand new to me. sundown, but the town that can't wait for sun up. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but uh, while Jamie's in the gas station, she's paying for gas and getting snacks. And uh, she hears shots on the outside. And she comes out and she finds an old man who is also filling up. He's been gunned down. And she finds her grandma has been shot through the throat. And now she's under the assail of the uh, mystery shooter who's just kind of in a darkened part of town shooting from a building. Yeah. We then run through the town in the, like a very wonderful sequence in that you see how empty the town is Mm -hmm. and like that's meant to be the whole thing uh calling back to both the movie and again the original murders of like the town would just lock up at night Mm -hmm. nobody's on the streets nobody's around yeah there's not bars and restaurants open exactly yeah there's nothing happening and so you get these people just running through the you know the phantom killer chasing jamie through the streets Mm -hmm. of the town and it's just all empty. It's echoey. There's nobody around. It yeah. feels like a ghost town. Right. Uh, she eventually finds her way into the woods and towards a swamp. Mm-hmm. She is shot by an arrow. Yeah, dude's got an arsenal. Hell yeah, yeah, I'm like, he definitely has. I'm like, and I feel like that's like one of those weird things in this movie. And I what, think right at, at, this, at this point, we're now intertwining our talking shit with your description so <laughs> she's taking some liberties i understand <laughs> yin's been taking liberties this whole time i know i know we've been talking there are no talking. fucking rules anymore at the same time We're probably... i told you no holds bar falls count anywhere <laughs> 
Um, but like I, I like there's not a lot of context for like even uh weapons that this the context is wears. it's Texas. That's hey, true. Okay, okay. He, he no, bought them all no, at 7 Eleven. I'm not going to give into that. <laughs> he bought a crossbow uh, at 7 Eleven five minutes before this. If we want to go super. No, I'm, no, I'm going I'm to pause there. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to say anything related to current events. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't want to say that. Because, like, literally, I feel like what would have made it better if there was a continuity to how he killed. I understand, I, though, like, I feel like if it was always, like, a stabby type thing, but, like, where the fuck did you get a crossbow? I get the idea of, and, like, having a projectile weapon as well as a, a, a slashing, you know, having a knife as well as a crossbow knife. He just was shooting people from a, across the street. Now he, has a, now he has a bow and arrow. Right. But... It, but he was carrying the bag with him but as also, he was chasing her. Remember, there's two killers. Yeah. So one could have a gun, one could have the bow and arrow. Yeah, <laughs> it, I get what it you're kind saying. Of me. They all have saying. Texas arsenals. But yes, mm-hmm. she's shot down with an arrow. And this is when she is finally confronted with the fact that there are two killers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has one that's on one side of the river and another comes from the other side of the river. And two you know, sack boys. Two sack boys. <laughs> Just a sacky boy. Sacky boy. Sean Michael's music comes up too frequently in my life. Being frankly. in the beer industry, I'm just gonna start calling my brewers sacky boys. <laughs> and hopefully Go, I will ruin Call them up the ladder, sacky boys. <laughs> now hiring sacky boys starting at 17 an hour. Yeah, we've got we've got sellerman and we've got sacky boys. Which one would you rather be? Uh, the killers reveal themselves again. We we've already touched on the fact that Corey was one of the killers, and the other killer is what? Yeah, the other Cor- the other Corey. No, the other killer is. Uh, I wish it was Corey Feldman. No, Corey Matthews. <laughs> no, even better. No, from, I, from Boy Meets World. <laughs> None of these Corys. All our favorite Corys. The, uh, the, the That's other- our next showdown episode. <laughs> favorite Corys. <laughs> People are going to be upset. That's October, and the people are going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the killer is Deputy Foster, mm-hmm. who we've seen throughout the film. He's been the deputy that's posted upside outside her house. Uh, she's the one that uh, he's the one that she's been confiding in the most to, and she even told Deputy Foster that they were going to leave town. Mm-hmm. I was feeling. Like- Someone is watching me. <laughs> a little Rockwell reference. <laughs> like but, but she didn't. She didn't actually feel that. Yeah. She uh, She didn't see it coming. She didn't see it coming. Fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, also in her escape. Sorry, her, her, I'm not victim blaming here. <laughs> also in her escape that she, she did find her uh, new boyfriend, Nick, chopped the pieces. Very similar to the way that they alluded that Hank McCready, the assumed phantom killer, was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she is uh, assailed, uh, and then Corey goes on this monologue about how he wants to be special and wants to be something. Oh, it's tough. And then it's, it's shot monologue. in the head. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's shot in the head. It's yeah. I have more to say. I don't want to interrupt because because we're not there yet. But <laughs> it was a. I like the twist. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they did away with Corey. His monologue was painful. It, I, I think it was supposed to be though. Yeah, he, he, he's a high school kid. He's a goddamn squid idiot. Nobody yeah. likes him. Which is also him. why he's you fucking died anyways. Because like, yeah. you yeah. got cocky and oh, egotistical. God, you hate Corey so much. Yeah, he's he's a complete tool bag. He yeah. is just mm-hmm. the, that angsty high school kid who thought he was going to be something big. And then Deputy Foster shoots him I down. I kind of yeah. like, find it hilarious in a way, though, that the, like, in his that monologue of like, 
you know, my dad was this big football player and that's what they expected of me. And I'm like, dude, no, that's a dream. Like that like would help you in your life. Yeah, dude. you're like, fine. You're white. This is your white privilege right yeah. now. Uh, accepted and You're a white dude who's athletic. <laughs> so wow, I feel like, terrible for after you. After hearing that that uh, speech, I was like actually pretty excited that he got killed. I was yeah, just right, like, yeah. you okay, wanted him please. You wanted well, him to you stop want talking. Him gone. I mean, it's more obvious that like he, because he said his dad had to come back as well, though. Yeah. So he he's, so, so he's talking about he only sees like four years of college career. He doesn't see anything after college. So mm-hmm. he goes away to college, plays college ball, gets to be a big hero, and mm-hmm. then comes back to Texarkana and just whatever happened to his dad, whether it was alcoholism or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm know. really into stoicism. That motherfucker has yeah. a choice. Can, can I bring up something that's <laughs> that I completely forgot to bring up earlier, but I thought was a really funny, mm-hmm. weird part. Um, whenever Nick. We established his name's Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Nick's, Nick's the the guy who works in the library, right, right. or not the library? Where is the it? archives? It's the archives. The, yeah. The... Um, here, here's a here's a hot dating tip for Nick. <laughs> Don't invite a girl on a date to a vigil for her murder, murdered boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then hit on hey, her. Hey, remember right how your after. boyfriend got murdered? Um, you want to. Be my date to go to the candlelight <laughs> vigil. Oh my god! To to be fair, to, to be, be fair, fair, she was like, to be fair, she was like, yeah, okay. Well, didn't get it. She did. She did say yes, but also we're talking about months of spanning time. I'm sure so it is. It's it, just he, he was being a friend. You but then you could have went to Culver's. Could have. Yeah. <laughs> That's could've. what I'm saying. Yeah. Let's talk about class here for a second. <laughs> yeah. Could have done a lot of other things. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yes, uh, Corey is killed, and then uh, Deputy Foster makes his attempt to kill Jamie, but she turns it around and shoots him with a gun and kills him and sends him off into the swamp. Mm-hmm. And then we're treated to a, kind of an ending monologue, uh, very similar, again, to the first film. The first film is bookended, but also has a lot of uh, voiceover throughout it. But we're treated to a voiceover just kind of again reinforcing the ideas of legend and myth and keeping towns stuck in their cycles of violence and fear um but she is also now at college and you have this really wonderful shot at the very end as she's walking away from college she passes a tree and from uh, you see the shadows of her and the tree against this Mm -hmm. wall and as she passes the shadow of a tree the phantom stranger steps out from behind the tree just as uh, it could happen again. Spooky yeah. ookies. Um, I feel like I want to take just a quick shot because I feel like you're going to have a lot more notes to attack him, and I want to let that happen. Listen, I'm not necessarily. I like <laughs> um, the movie just fine. No, I thought the movie was fine in a lot of ways, but I feel like it had so many of these derivative derivative vibes that we've already talked about in ways of like talking about Zodiac Killer and stuff like that, which like. At the end of the day, like, again, I, I like certain concepts where we're talking about, like, a movie within a movie, and it kind of, like, followed this theme, which, you know, gave you something I liked. I liked a lot that you had the red herring, because, like, the red herring, but because, like, that kept me interested, so I'll give it that. Like, that's one of those, I like, always appreciate things. a good, in this point, three red herrings, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right, yeah. and I, and I it's feel It's like, giallo-esque in a way, right. you know yeah, what I mean? Like I kind of like it. You don't, and I feel like that's what a lot of horror movies can do wrong when you can fucking predict it. You know, you can, like, fucking know what the ending's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, this was, yeah. Like, I liked that, so I'm not here to, like, tote it, though, but, like, but at the same time, I don't feel like that was, like, the most redeeming, and at the end of the day, like, I, I know we'll probably talk at the end, like, which one we feel like really is, like, I don't think it's, like, super 
like perfect for a modern slasher, but I feel like it had some good kills, but I still feel like it had this lacking of like originality in a way. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I think it was a remake masquerading as a sequel in a lot of ways. Um, I, there's a lot of things I liked about it. Frankly, enjoyed the experience for sure. Mm-hmm. For me, fell apart in the last five minutes, 10 minutes, a little bit. Cause I, I liked the twist, but I think they fumbled it a little bit in, in my experience, in my, in my opinion, the, the lighting was great. The cinematography was great. The mm-hmm. kills were great. The effects were great. I thought all this was really, really strong. The two killer twist was good because you knew it was Foster. If you've seen any fucking horror movie in your whole life, you knew Foster was involved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even my my wife Kate, who who is who, who is not a novice. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm she's not a diehard, but she's more of a, a, a she is a horror novice. I would say she's, she's a casual. Just, she's yeah, a filthy she's casual. Got, she comes in. <laughs> she was like, I mean, it's that fucking guy. It's the cop who's sitting outside of her house. Obviously, mm. like she even knew that immediately. Um, but they added the twist that Corey is involved, mm-hmm. which I liked. Did not expect Corey to be involved. But Cor- first of all, Corey's rant, I hated so much at the end. Mm. But you kind of were meant to hate him. He was toady dickhead that you was going to be disposable. I get it. Um, but the most impactful part of the movie to me, which was the, the twist at the end, really didn't have any stakes. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my my whole thing was like so this whole idea of like the twist of the two killers it was unexpected but it didn't really explain anything so like in Scream right Scream would be the best example of to me when you thought there was one killer but it ended up being two right it explains a time because you're like it's not that guy and it's not that guy and it's not that guy because they can't be in two places at one time oh there's two killers they're in cahoots they're two psychos who have built each other up, you know, and, and, and stroked each other's egos enough to be in coots together. These two, you didn't really get much identification of what the dynamic of their relationship was. Mm -hmm. And also it ended up not really being very consequential at all that there were two killers. There didn't have to be two killers. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I mean, depends on how, uh, things were going with uh, whatever Foster was doing throughout the day, because if he's sitting outside of Jamie's house, yeah. then that frees Corey. But they to never go kill. showed him showed us that there was. Right. So that's the yeah. thing is, like, there yeah. could have they could have very easily said this is why it's important that there were two killers, and here's the payoff of two killers. They never did any of it. Yeah. Like you had to create the reason why mm-hmm. it mattered that there were two killers. So like the two killer thing fell apart for me in a big way at the end, and then they just. And I'm glad they did because Corey's monologue at the end, I fucking hated. But they were just like, oh, fuck you. Bang. Corey, you're done. Right. right. So like so this big payoff, yeah, it just been... completely nullified yeah. the importance of the, of the actual only real twist to the movie. So the other important to two killers is Deputy Foster had every intention of getting away with it. True. Like, I'm not saying that his rationale was unsound, yeah. but from a storytelling perspective, the fact that there was two killers, there could have been four killers, could have been five killers. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? It could have, could have been, could have been one of them was the pastor. Could have been one of them. Like there really was no reason or motivation. Corey's motivation came out of left field. I feel like that's it, a good point. That motivation could have been the motivation his, of any his, person in the entire town. Yeah, his motivation was pretty weak, but I, but also you just said it. It could have been the motivation of anybody in the town. But that's, true, but, but, like, but I feel so, like so why the stuck. main character? But like, I feel like, why was the culmination of their plan coming together to be her be the final victim before he got away? 
because she's a journalism student. But Who he wanted he wanted help. But like what I was gonna say is like I feel like what well, what's like missing in that is that because they set up all these like red herrings of like oh potential fucking killers, it almost devoids the significance of a certain killer when like okay we know we have two killers and then we like one just dies so like i feel like they built up all this idea of uh, like we need to create these stories that in our head naturally because we're like no the way they're talking the way it's going it's that motherfucker right there you know whereas like now we're like it's important to know that there are two killers but he immediately kills them after we find out that there's two killers. Well, this you know is what I mean? the, like, yes. so it almost like it flattens it real fast. It does. But even then you could have said this made sense for Foster because he was setting Corey up as a scapegoat. Right. But he really doesn't because no one suspected Foster. He could have just fucked well, off. And, yeah, no, I mean, no. That was the point though, too. I think he killed him too, because he's like, I can kill her and kill him. And then it can, Cause it to be plus, like a plus suit, you know? she forced Foster's hand of telling him that she's leaving. Yeah, so she he had to kill her and Corey. So it fucked up her plans a little bit, right? Yes, but he had to kill. He had to kill her and Corey that night. I and he probably hadn't planned on doing that, right? So I get that, but I guess my point is like, for that to happen, or even for another Endgame who that never gets explained, they went. He went. Foster, when I say he, went to a tremendous amount of hassle and risk to leave an intentional survivor of the instance at the, in the opening scene right. for what ultimately was going to be what payoff. We never know, or maybe no payoff. Well, that's the thing. You don't find out what the payoff was because yeah. she tried to escape. So that is a, that in and of itself makes the twist remarkably inconsequential it, he i mean it's possible that he had always planned for jamie and Corey to die at the same time yeah. and for Corey to take the blame my, i guess my point, i think it's pretty obvious that Corey is always the setup yes agreed with that Corey was definitely the setup Corey was definitely the what, what do they call it the uh scapegoat scapegoat i was gonna say yeah. lame duck that's not the analogy i mean <laughs> different but, animal <laughs> yeah, different the, the goat duck yes yeah. Corey the goat duck no but like so so i totally get it that Corey was definitely because he was the feeble-minded dipshit kid that he was going to pin it all on. Right. But I guess my, my, I, I don't, it's not a travesty, but yeah. it's just the, the most impactful part of the movie fell short in terms of, uh, you had to have a, a couple of big leaps of logic to make it, to make it impactful in any real yeah. way. I, I think for me, it just, comes out actually feeling more grounded in reality because mm -hmm. shit didn't go according to plan. Yeah, maybe. shit didn't go according can, to plan. I can respect and then that. I can just, respect that. just the psychology of people being it's just their own darkness and unhappiness mm -hmm. of doing terrible things. Yeah. Like it, you do get revealed that Foster is that grandchild of the Hank McCready that was accused of being a phantom killer which is his motivation for doing things. Mm -hmm. And then Corey's motivation does feel weak because it feels like he does have everything ahead of him. Yeah. But also... He could have just been like deranged, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, I think if you look at anybody who is like that anyway, it, like he kind of comes across as like an Elliot Roger. Sure. If, if you kind of remember who that guy was, he was the person who ran down people with his BMW yeah. and everything. And like he also Privileged had... Privileged dickhead. Yeah, yeah he had everything. Had a victim complex. Right. His, yeah. his, his family was incredibly rich. His I think his father was a movie producer. Mm -hmm. Like he had everything ahead of him, but just because like the 
girls that he wanted to fuck wouldn't fuck him. He like just I'm going to kill people. Yeah, he, I'm he's looking for an excuse. People. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's just looking for an excuse. Corey is a piece of shit, and I totally like I'm on board with Corey being a pawn in Foster's plan. Yeah. The other thing that I would take away is like Foster's motivation was a fucking stretch. Yeah. yeah. Just that, like, yeah, to 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 reclaim your family's name. I think it, in a way he more wanted to bring back the phantom killer. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it sort of exonerates his grandfather. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. If they would have given a little bit of backstory of like his parents, like harping on him for mm-hmm. generation for not generations for years going like you're you're. Father, your grandfather's name was dragged through the mud because of X, Y, and Z, and right. these bastards are going to pay and all that. If they would have just given a little bit of something, even a cheap little flashback scene, but they didn't. Yeah, so you, it's just you, like all you, of that you learn third hand through Charles B. Pierce Jr. Yeah, rather than Jamie and Nick going and, and to his the parents. Kind of a crackpot. Yeah, right. So you're like, oh, he's a crackpot, but he was. 100% he was right. right the whole yeah, time. He was right. <laughs> That's fine. It's not that big of a leap. I just no. felt a. It rubbed me a little bit. The combination of those things rubbed me wrong in the end because I really dug the movie mm-hmm. right up until the last like ten minutes, and I feel like the payoff fell apart. Which, mm-hmm. and I think that like can sometimes be like where horror movies fall apart is like where you can create a really awesome story. You can like create all these feelings for the the person viewing it but then if you don't wrap it up and make all these things make sense which we'll talk about yours that i think does a cool thing with with the characters there um but you have to make it so like maybe like oh wow i didn't expect it type moment you know you know or even if you do expect it like what is the good twist and did it actually fully um wrap things up the way it did and that's like i feel like where this one is like it tried but this is where i think it was a little weak and that so that takes like this movie where it had a really great story like we've talked about but then like weakens it a lot yeah instead of ending with a bang it ended with a little bit of a fizzle and like overall stylish you know like really i almost want to like recreate what this ending could be that would make it like redeemable in a way though like, I, I feel like who could be the killer? I mean, if it like even the pastor, I would be like, man, if that pastor, I mean, granted, that could have been like low hanging fruit. But I'm like, even if it was like his like subtle way, if they wouldn't have like let it on so early. But like, we're like, oh, no, got people yeah. going back to church. I'd be like, oh, wow, that's like really fucking crazy. You know, I, mean, I, I, mean? Don't, I don't know if there's something that would have necessarily been super satisfying at the end or not. I don't, uh, I don't think there is. No, I don't think there is. And then that that like ends up so so many movies especially slasher movies movies with a whodunit element for me go listen uh why why go down this path it almost is a fool's errand you know what i mean if like if you don't have a way to tie it up why take this property and run with it especially like again this is a good movie i enjoyed it uh you know 3.99 well spent on amazon prime (laughs) but like the original movie kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, it's goofy. It's, <laughs> it's goofy. Not, yeah. But I mean, okay, so comparative for the ending of this film to the the original film, yeah. like there's just like a shootout with a train. <laughs> and then it's almost like a weird gets, western or yeah. something at the end. Like it yeah. honestly looks like they're shooting the train, yeah. but like he get like he gets away anyway. 
Yeah. And then if you compare it to real life, mm. they never found it. But like what what is the I get it that you want to make a movie based on the Texarkana murders because of their influence. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure, especially in some areas of the country, this was like a huge, huge thing right. that people talk about all over the place. You know what I mean? But like um, it just feels like they they had a good idea and they didn't necessarily have a, a fantastic way of bringing it around. Right. But they pressed for it anyway. Yeah. Well, it, it also, in a way, it just redeems the original film. It's way better. It makes the it makes me want to rewatch a film that I would have otherwise never yeah. rewatched. For, for something, again, for something that has so much influence on the films that we know today, like Friday the 13th. Yeah. And like there's a movie Triangle out there that yeah. has like a baghead killer. Like for a film that has so much influence today remaking it and kind of giving it its day in the sun mm-hmm. like this and making and i still think it's way better than like the friday the 13th remake and oh 100 the freddy remake. way better than so both they're, of they're able to take a lot of chances with this and they yeah. also put like again a lot of beautiful stylized shots like it's a beautiful film to watch it is comparative to would other have been a films. fantastic theater movie yeah so would have loved to have seen so, it in theater the fact that it just kind of falls apart in the end when the original film couldn't pull it off and a lot of other films are pretty lazy anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's still better yeah. than <laughs> definitely definitely enjoyed it. I have no I have no big glaring issues with it besides like the ending, like I said, but like yeah. yeah. To- totally enjoyed watching it. Happy that I watched it. Um Kate, again my wife, who is doesn't watch as many horror films as me. And usually just watches like the really good ones. You know what I mean? She, she doesn't watch all the shitty schlock that I watch. Um, she was kind of like, uh, um, she was kind of like, well, that fell apart at the end. I'm like, a lot of movies fell apart at the end kind of thing. <laughs> a lot so, of movies did. But, okay. Final thoughts on uh, the remake sequel of Town the Dreaded Sundown. It was fine, but it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I feel like it's fair. But um, hey, Real quick, uh, we've been drinking a lot of beers. Yeah. Opportunity to take a little break, maybe, and then we'll jump into uh, yeah, to my let's, flick. Let's get a note from our advertisers. <laughs> you know? And this is going over to meatcountry.com. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that was called. So the movie I picked was from 2016, a film called Hush, directed by uh, Mike Flanagan. Hush, I think I might have in, in previous episodes mentioned that um, it was on uh, Shudder. It was not. It was a Netflix film. Um, and it, and I watched it originally on Netflix. It might be on Shudder now. I don't know. Yeah. But I watched it originally on Netflix. It is still currently on Netflix. I watched it again on there. Um, but Mike Flanagan, most of you would probably know him, especially those who, who uh, you know, are into horror in the last, you know, uh, you know four, four, five, six years. Um, probably the biggest thing, uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, Netflix, big you know cultural phenomenon type of type of series on Netflix. Doctor Sleep, of course, he's done a couple of reimagining uh, film interpretations, of course, of uh, classic Stephen King stories, including Gerald's Game. Um, he also did uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. R- writer, director, he's got something coming out 
later this month in September called Midnight Mass, which is going to be a miniseries on on Netflix, which I've mm-hmm. heard good things of. Oh. I was not a huge Haunting of Hill House fan. It was kind of like grief porn a little bit. I don't yeah, know. It wasn't no, my favorite I, thing I, I can agree with that too, because like not to get too far into that, but then like yeah. it's like you end up just like, I just want to cry yeah. a lot. I, I liked it till the end. The end yeah. was... I didn't finish it. There were <laughs> some good spooks it. though. I really Honestly, didn't like there it. were some good like jump scares. They Jumpy, did good jump. Like, yeah. 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 But it was all like we're just trying to hit, hit your heart. Before I heart. saw Hush and and Gerald's game, I like and I I knew the the story before I watched Gerald's game, so it was a little bit different. I, like I still haven't seen Doctor Sleep. That that was oh, actually that one, yeah. I've heard I like great Doctor things. Sleep, yeah. And I'm a huge Kubrick fan and I'm a huge Shining fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't delved into Doctor Sleep. I think it's literally Can because I, admit I don't something real fast. Yeah, I saw Doctor Sleep before I saw The Shining ever. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like this is how much of a new back in me and like and like how much I need to dive backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, no, it but yeah. Sh- the fair. Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Um and I've 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 seen The Shining. The only thing I've seen more than The Shining is probably Halloween. Mm-hmm. The 78 John mm. Carpenter Halloween. Yeah. Um I've seen The Shining I mean conservatively 25 times. Yeah. Uh, I adore <laughs> that movie. I I was a huge Kubrick nerd in high school so to kind of i get what may be like a barrier for you Mm -hmm. to seeing dr sleep yeah to just kind of put those fears away uh, he they do not spend a lot of time at the overlook and i heard and i've heard that and 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 you know i'm that person who like i want the memories of these things that I hold dear to like remain intact mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't know if that's more subconscious, but, it, but it, like, it's not bad either. Like, it's not, they, it's not bad, yeah. but I feel great. like, I feel like that's the other part too. It's like, you should definitely watch it. And I say, I agree. Like, don't like put the fear away, but like, it's still like after watching the shining, like it got really fantasy esque, but mm-hmm. it still was a good film. Right. I, yeah. Well, and that's also just Stephen King. Like I'm going to write about psychic vampires now. Like yeah. that's what this book is about. The other book was about it. So, yeah. you know, I feel like it's, it, it, I'm definitely going to be into it. I'm definitely going to like it. I just, for whatever reason, it's like a, a fairly big, like <laughs> emotional leap. Yeah. It's a, to it's lean a hurdle. In. <laughs> this sounds so stupid, but I remember when I watched like the most recent, like, TMNT movie. It was yeah. the same thing because I had such an intense love for the ter- ten- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is just going to turn into a therapy session it for really you. Is. And like-, like as a kid, me and my brother watched the original TMNT movie every single day. Hey, I get it. I refuse to watch RoboCop from 2014. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, exist. No, same. I've never watched exist. it. Never watched it. I'm not interested. Fuck, yeah. up, fuck it. I don't, want it to, I don't want it to exist. RoboCop <laughs> is my, yeah. And I'll be the asshole's like, I probably saw that. You know what? And I watch the ghost. It's like the same thing I do with like the, the new Ghostbusters movies. Yeah. I'm like, I grew up on Ghostbusters. I don't want Ghostbusters to be something different. Right. It's like, it's a very childish it's, thing. It, it, it's childish, but also at the same time, like when they're just bad films why would i waste my time yeah i mean the ghostbusters remake and i i, I watch on a plane I have, I have an opinion about that because there's like this weird side because i feel like what's happening is that they're taking like older movies that are cultish and like trying to like make them more relevant in a way that they can hit social issues and stuff like that mm. and that bothers me that i'm like i would rather just see a newly created 
movie IP. like yeah. that yeah. it like Same. totally hits home for Same. like the feminism thing like i like i'm not again i haven't seen the new ghostbusters either like but it's like but that's my opinion on is that i'm not against the idea of women being in those roles no what i'm against yeah. is that i'd rather have a story that let's get original and just yeah. create a really cool fucking story because let's this get thing it, is like, like let's a, fucking do it this is yeah. a total side and this is completely going yeah. against us trying to be brief on this right but like <laughs> the idea of like you know, taking kind of a feminist stance on like casting the Ghostbusters as women, like love the idea, like the the whole like incel community being like, yeah. you putting girls in my <laughs> movie, oh, yeah. like, fuck like those that's people too, yeah, that's fucking like... nonsense. I'm all about like, yeah, I I, I love the people who are in it, like Seriously. Kate McKinnon. I fucking yeah. love yeah. absolutely. The movie fucking sucked. It was so bad. I watched it on a plane and could barely finish it. Uh, it was so bad. You were trapped there. Yeah, it was so bad. So I spent money on this. I'm excited about about (laughs) Ghostbusters. uh, Afterlife. Afterlife. I was going to say Rebirth. That's not what it is. Afterlife. I'm going to watch it. I'm a huge fan of the franchise. It's going to be great. Yeah. But yeah, in any case, uh, let, let's let's get into this one. So so this is an extremely small, claustrophobic, isolated mm-hmm. movie. And, mm-hmm. and very, very small cast as well. There's like mm-hmm. literally five people in the movie, right? So there's, there's they call him the man. He's the, he's the killer who randomly shows up, played by a guy named uh, John Gallagher Jr. Uh, Kate Siegel plays Maddie. She is the, she is the, the, um, uh, the star of the film. She, she's, I, I, I adored her in this. Um, and then there's the neighbors, which we'll talk about, which their names are, are John and Sarah. There's a very quick little thing of, of Maddie's sister who shows up on mm-hmm. you know, right. FaceTime, but that's about it. I mean, literally that's, that's the whole cast, right? Craig, of course, you know. And, and Craig, you can see <laughs> his name. You he has see... a name, but Craig doesn't show up. <laughs> no, Craig never shows up. You're waiting for doesn't Craig to show up. He doesn't day. do it. He doesn't all save the day. The thing I love about this movie is it's a u- unique idea that actually works and adds to the plot. Because modern movies, modern horror movies, everyone's looking to try to figure out a way to add something, a unique twist, a unique you know story element, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And most of the time, it doesn't actually do anything real to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I feel like, plays in really, really seamlessly and actually adds to the story in, you know, I could name two dozen ways right off the bat. So we'll, let's, let's jump into it. So um, th- this whole idea of... So, Maddie, she played by Kate Siegel. She is a writer, professional writer, mm-hmm. who has obviously went through some sort of semi-traumatic or somewhat painful breakup with. Um, they, I don't believe they were married. It was mm-hmm. a boyfriend, I mm-hmm. think, guy named Craig. She has moved into a semi-isolated environment, um, a you know big kind of beautiful house out in just the middle of the sticks, right? So it's very much in the woods. It's very much isolated, although not completely. She has neighbors within walking distance of one another. And it's just kind of sh- picks up with her having a little bit of writer's block and interacting with her neighbors, right? So um, she is um, deaf and mute. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out very quickly. And one of the things that I really like about this movie is it's, it's, I think Steve, we talked about in a recent episode, it's very show don't tell. Mm -hmm. You don't get a lot of exposition. They do creative ways of exposition and they do creative ways of kind of demonstrating the reality of her day to day life. In one point very early in the movie, which I think was super smart. They did this thing of, of kind of 
bringing you into her head what she hears, Mm -hmm. which is essentially this kind of low humming type of thing, which really Mm -hmm. just it almost feels like that white noise pumped into a plane type of thing with the plane engine and the and the the circulating air. That's kind of almost what you feel like she hears uh, while she's cooking. And right off the bat, because I do a lot of cooking at home, I love to cook. And you don't realize, because you think of your sense of sight, of course, your sense of taste and smell, Mm -hmm. but you don't realize how intuitive your sense of hearing is Mm -hmm. with something as mundane on a daily basis as cooking. Because Mm -hmm. when she shows her opening the oven and there's like a piece of meat in there cooking and you can't hear what it's doing. Right. Right. Sizzling and stuff like that. Yeah. Sizzling, that type of, you just, they do a really good job of setting right up off the bat that this is a... The, yeah, she's not blind. I, I didn't get think it. about the hearing part of that. Yeah. About the cooking. Sorry to like interrupt, but I, was no, like, no. I remember hearing this story. I think it was on NPR a long time ago, where someone was literally talking about cooking fried chicken. Yeah, and the person was literally saying the exact yeah. thing we're talking about now, where they're like, "No, when it, you get a certain sound, you know that it's time to flip. Listen, it's it's done." So, anywho, keep going. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And we don't listen. We'll get into this someday. The podcast is young. I am a former carny. <laughs> we are talking uh, about snacks. Yeah, I am again. a former carny. I have cooked a lot of French fries in a trailer <laughs> at at fairs and festivals. And yes, it, you do it more by by sound almost than anything. So, like, I remember that quick the first time I watched this movie when they kind of pipe in what she hears. You feel a little helpless, just even in that moment cooking. It know? is it is isolating because yeah. Just take all of the soundtrack away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the interesting thing about this secluded setting that it almost gave me like camp slasher vibes. Sure. Like throughout mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Uh, being out in the middle of the woods and, and that'll certainly come back around. But so you enjoy this this very friendly but clearly still kind of new and a bit awkward relationship with her neighbors. Uh, mm-hmm. Which are Sarah is who you first you know come in contact with, and it makes you care about even the tertiary characters because they are very empathetic to her. They want to learn. She's taking sign language you know lessons, right. and she wants to tap into her world and make her feel comfortable and make her feel like you know her her disability is is not any type of hampering with their relationship mm-hmm. so it's it's very genuine it's very nice it's just slightly awkward which real relationships are sometimes mm-hmm. right. so i just feel like it makes you care about people immediately that otherwise you could just fuck off i don't care if you live sure. or die kind of thing so um I like the smooth exposition. I love the interactions, like I said, with the neighbors, the kind of, you know, quick glance at the back of her book, which explains the fact that she went deaf as a teenager as a result of bacterial meningitis. You mm-hmm. know, little mm-hmm. quick things where you just get a quick snapshot of the back of the book um, is just, you know, pretty, I don't know. I, I think they do it in an intuitive way. I think they do it in a smooth way. It's not clunky. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But so, like I said, she's a novelist. She's writing. She lives by herself. It's a semi-secluded environment. You quickly learn about how she gets by, right? Some of her workarounds, some of them are very obvious. Some of them, for somebody who isn't hearing impaired, would be not particularly obvious. Um, So you kind of get the idea that this whole idea of her independence is very, very important to her, Mm -hmm. particularly coming out of this relationship. Um, so, so it's very, a lot of show, not tell, which, which I appreciated. 
You also um, get introduced to Chekhov's strobe light. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> Chekhov, Chekhov strobe light. Yeah, so she she burns something in the kitchen as they're talking outside, and this incredibly loud, incredibly bright, um, flashing light siren things goes goes off, and she explains that she needs to know this. Uh, she needs this tool because if there was a fire while she was sleeping, the vibrations mm-hmm. would be what wakes her up. Um, so in any case, uh, which so, I feel like you don't really intuitively know offhand until like, cause you're like, I can get the light yeah, right. because you need that like peripheral, like vision yeah, part yeah. of it. But yeah, the vibration thing. I, I would never have thought about that. And, yeah. the, and it comes back in a couple of different places, not just in the checkoff sense of like, you've brought it up. So now we have to bring it back. But later when she's under the porch feeling for where the killer's footsteps are, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they bring back this idea that she has to rely on other senses and, and, and her like keen level of intuition and, and, uh, and secondary senses become very, very important to her. Um, but I, I also love the idea that she explains the voice in her head, yes. which was this whole idea of like, um, I hear a voice in my head. It's not my voice. It's actually my mother's voice, which is a little conflicting. Which we'll, well, because she doesn't about know what her adult voice sounds like. Sure, and she sure. doesn't remember. So her she's own like she voice. only hears her mom's. Yeah, but it, it, I guess it, it's and only and it might conflict. not even be her mom's voice. That's just the closest thing she can equate it. To. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my comment then until you maybe talk about it. Oh no, I don't mean to uh, to derail, but um, so you get this very like peek inside her world while she's writing and she explains it because the neighbor is kind of a fan of her most recent novel she's written. She's you. So you get this secondhand as well as internally what the, what the feel of her writing process is. And her whole idea is I, I see every potential outcome mm-hmm. and I pick the one that makes the most sense. You know what I mean? The one mm-hmm. that that meshes the most into the story. But I see all these potential outcomes. And my my wife Kate, who is watching this with me, she this was her first time watch for me. This was a second time watch for for it was a first time watch for her, second time watch for me. She is that. Mm-hmm. She always says like she catastrophizes things. She will go like you know, hey, the kids are screwing around. I think something's bad's going to happen because they're fussing around, climbing a tree, doing whatever. And my brain immediately goes to what's all the scenarios that could play out. Sure, I'm not that way. So like the way that he she explained it was, I don't know, was it it helped make the decision she made later in the movie make sense for me. Right. Um, but I just thought the whole setup was was really great. She, so she she's the strong, independent, very successful person with this disability that, you know, you see her vulnerability, um, even emotional vulnerability where she, like, wants to call the ex-boyfriend, Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, she accidentally calls him. Mm-hmm. He calls her back. She wants to call him back, but then she panics and hangs up. So it's the, this whole thing. So you see where she's at personally at the time, which is in a place of vulnerability as well. Um, big windows freak me out. They they have since mm. scream. It's like scream <laughs> as a kid, you like feel completely so vulnerable f- in that. Like I have up. this, yeah. I have this fantasy about having a place that has really big windows, so I can have a bunch of plants in front of them. Yeah, that's what I do. But then I'm also terrified because I don't want that. I don't want any ounce of someone <laughs> looking in where I'm like what either. I'm doing I like like it's not even close. like an insecurity it's literally a fear see I look at I look at California architecture all the time yeah. <laughs> and they they not only do they have the giant floor to ceiling windows but yeah. also those usually 
tuck into the wall mm-hmm. so yeah, it becomes yeah. an indoor outdoor plan and i love that no no because i love I have, it i, I have, just like I, I have a fear of it i have no fear of it though because i would just <laughs> either have a knife on me all the time or <laughs> yeah uh, no it has been since scream that freaked me out and and uh kate and i when we were before we were married and even after we were married for a little a little while our first place was a condo on the first floor of a you know condo slash like apartment building mm-hmm. thing and we had a sliding glass door and the back of the building and it always kind of freaked me out a little bit but yeah no no i i was staying at a friend's <laughs> house this week watching their dog and um yeah i did exactly that they had a sliding back door and i was just like nope closing this all the way <laughs> yeah. don't need that morning light yeah Fuck that. yeah same same <laughs> um so we are now 12 minutes into the movie and sarah is about to die uh, who's the neighbor? So she comes up and this guy, random guy, you don't know anything about him. You just know that he has this creepy uh, mask that is almost this paper mache almost paper mache-ish, almost characterless type of mask mm-hmm. um, that is white. He's otherwise just dressed in pretty normal kind of street clothes. Um, the thing I like about this killer, I don't like him personally. They do a great job of making him out to be like this weird douchebag that you absolutely hate and want to die, which I appreciate. But also, um, they don't make him overly physical, right? He's not big. He's not overpowering. He is certainly well thought out and methodical in his way, but he is not a big, giant, murderous killing machine. He is a pick your spots. I'm going to try to outthink people and I'm, you know, brutal and sadistic. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he's more kind of clinical and callous, um, wherein he wounds victims first before he mm-hmm. kills them. He kind of plays with them. He's very much, you know, people are into true, cl- true crime and horror movies. He's very much a process killer, not a product killer. Yeah, I feel like thing. Cat and Mouse is like a really good I phrase put for down this in here, this is my, the best example of Cat and Mouse I've ever seen. Yeah. In my opinion, there might be better ones. This is, this is, is for me, sure? is mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have no room to talk, Miss First Person. Um, in any case, um, but so it's still a slasher. This is a slasher. It's one hundred percent a slasher. Ah. All right, hey, listen, you bastard. Let's keep going. Um, so, um, it, it, you know, so yeah, I, I was frankly not impressed by the mask. That was kind of one of the things that I didn't love. It's just but, odd that they, like it made a point to have it and then right. it just disappeared. Like he's so, just but like, it, but, but, it, I, but I get why they did it. He's just like because they set it up that like, oh. I'm getting ahead of this, but like, oh, I haven't seen your face, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm going to make you see my face. Yes, that was the best part of why. That that was clearly why there was a mask. I I also thought for a second that like they're trying. You you probably get the sense that they're trying to set up that it might be Craig. But then they give it away really quick, though. Yeah, I guess I never really thought it was Craig. I didn't think about it It was Craig. See, I got that. I I got that because. If they they kept the mask on longer, I might have thought that. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, oh, this is probably Craig, like, harassing her. Oh, God. You know? Yeah, but no, then I he could gives it up so that. quickly, and she doesn't recognize him. I'm like, oh, well, then what is this? It was pretty yeah. interesting, though, because Kate was watching it on the couch beside me, and she immediately goes, the mask is so fucking creepy. Mm, no, no, no. And, and is, I was like, okay, it all right. Because to me, it really wasn't that impactful. But in any case, um, the, the, ki- the killer is just basically this, like, shitty, psychotic, 
douchebag with like a god complex like playing out this control fantasy sure. that's that's pretty much what yeah, he's doing it. he's yeah. like you hate him immediately you're rooting for maddie it gives such stakes because you you like her you're rooting for her she's the underdog all these things and you hate him because he's such this like egotistical douchebag god complex you know power trip guy um so you really hate him right off the bat which i appreciate because there's so many movies like this there are no stakes and you're like I don't really care if these people live or die kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, he underestimates her. He starts toying with her right from the beginning, you know, sending her pics from her own phone, which mm-hmm. is a creepy reveal. I thought, um, you know, she doesn't panic. She knows she's at a disadvantage. You know, um, she, they, they kind of show right off the bat that he's fallible. Like I said, he's not huge. He's not physically dominant by any stretch, but he's, he's smart. Yeah, he's smart. He is smart in a very devious type of way, um, very opportunistic type of way. He's actually like this little kind of fucking creep almost with a yeah. neck tattoo that you're like, mm-hmm. this dude plays too hey, much Call I have of a Duty. Neck like, <laughs> am I a fucking creep, bro? He has a he has a, he has he has a dragon neck tattoo. Yeah. He has a Mike Tyson neck tattoo. I'm, I'm just he, he feeling the much, judgment. I'm just feeling the no. judgment. He <laughs> just very much seems like somebody who rides ATVs and plays paintball yes. and drinks he, monster energy drink. Exactly. When he's yeah. That's what yeah. I put. I said, I said, he, I wrote in my notes, he's like a little creep that probably plays too much Call of Duty and frequents men's rights websites. Like he, <laughs> he probably has several burner Twitter accounts. Like he's, he's, he's very, he's smart, but in a very manipulative, like sociopathic yeah. way. He, yeah. He's smart at what he does in killing but he's probably just a dope otherwise in the world in his regular exactly in his regular everyday life he feels inadequate so he's always trying to seem how tough and smart Mm -hmm. he's got little man syndrome a little bit we're we're going back to even like similarly like we have to infer a lot about all of this to understand his motives in all of it i don't think so at all I mean, look at no, him. No, 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 he, no. You no, no, you're inferring it by looking at it. You're literally looking at him. That's what but I'm he saying. literally says all these things. Like I mean, he says, like I am going to wait until you are begging to die before I come in. Right, but it has nothing to do with his like, like who he is or his background. Yeah. And oh what no. He's doing. That, well, that's, that's why I, that's it's so I mean. fearful like, is because it is a random act. Right. So this is a random act. That he chose right. someone to terrorize that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, I think like that was a misinterpretation of what I'm saying is that I feel like all like his background of his motive to do this is nothing more than a random act. Like it's a random act, but th- I think the most clear thing, which is what I'm really bordering all my or, or, or leapfrogging a lot of my inferences off of mm-hmm. is this idea that he is desperate for power and control yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um like but, even when he we'll, we'll get ahead but like when he kills like the dude craig right yeah. or not craig uh what's the other boyfriend's name john john like yeah like he's just like yep i wouldn't have won that <laughs> like yeah yeah, yeah. No, bro you he's kind of not. pragmatic in a way right yeah but at the same time he is like very ego driven he's pragmatic and he's somewhat self-aware but yeah but ultimately his ego gets him yeah right right and there's no i feel like there's just like real no other motive besides those things Mm -hmm. yeah you know you're not you're not given a backstory the same way you are you know like freddie who has a backstory and (sighs) or like maniac (laughs) or like maniac who has something of a backstory that comes out (laughs) kind of um in any case i'll defend that in a second bros shouldn't have brought up your own film (laughs) to put it out on the slab to get chopped it's uh listen we're not talking about maniac god damn it um so she she i like that she 
so the thing I love about this movie is like there's there's certainly mistakes that she makes. There's certainly mistakes he makes in this cat and mouse game. But it is very much like um, they are understandable under the circumstances. I feel like it's very like believable for the most part. I can't wait. Wait, you bastard. Um, in any case, um, so she's not hiding. She's not panicking. She's very self-aware. She's very, she understands it's important to watch him and know where he's at. And she starts kind of formulating these plans and endings pretty, pretty early on. Um, her, you know, her skill is that you'll, you'll learn it comes back in a very blatant way. But at, even at the time, you're like, she is starting her skills as a storyteller are starting to kind of help her identify the potential outcomes. Um, and, and that's obviously an ongoing theme which we'll talk about um his mask in the fluorescent flashlight glow is is pretty creepy and, and it shows and then he finally shows his shitty douchebag face right um and 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 i like that scene because he takes the mask off and when he repeats what her sister said verbatim that what because he's like can you read my lips and then he repeats what her sister said verbatim and how he knows that she's deaf um knows that she's deaf and alone and alone exactly because she she tries to point out that her boyfriend is going to be home she writes on the thing yeah Yeah, this whole exchange is really well written really really well written in my mind um it's this kind of again it's still this gross control thing for him uh, and you just really really makes him hate you know, makes you hate him. Um, and once they've had that face to face, um, she kind of arms herself as best she can, you know, um, and the one of the creepiest scene, cause at this point I'm not taking him seriously. I'm kind of like, Oh, listen, I'm not a tough guy by any means, but I'm kind of like, I'll beat this guy's ass. Right. You know what I mean? In the moment, I'm like, I'm not scared of this guy. Uh, but then when he uses the corpse of the friend to bang on the glass, yeah, pretty chilling scene. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Personally, it, it was effective for me. It shows. I feel like it also no set up for what you find window, out later. But. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, but it also it definitely set up. Well, what listen, your, he's not a giant come. monster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my but, guy wasn't a giant monster either, but, but he still did it. <laughs> he shows. He shows at least in that moment he's one step ahead of her. Yeah, she mm. has underestimated him. Right. right? She. She. She's gonna have to t- kind of step her game up. She's almost she's going into like basic this. instinct vibes at that point. Like yeah, she's like, she's like, I'm gonna have to start thinking if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get yeah, past this guy. But that that but I feel like that even happens a little bit later that she starts having that twist. That yes. twist. You know what I mean? Like she keeps it's like ratcheting it up. It's a little it's bit. just like yeah. she's just doing what she feels like she has to do to do the next yeah. thing. And then I feel like later is when we really see her being like thinking. Right. You know. She eventually I mean? gets past that writer's block. Lock, right yeah. but he's he's oh. he's he's crying i mean he's the movie it's the movie <laughs> it's the we movie. saw the movie um he, he so he's crying the, her crying in silence i thought was pretty pretty effective um because you don't really get that full catharsis a, a silent cry you doesn't provide the catharsis of like a full moaning mm-hmm. screaming outward cry i don't know i just maybe i'm maybe it, maybe i'm overthinking it but that struck me as a very painful scene um she sets off the car alarm as a distraction, um, you know, with uh, to, so she can get the friend's phone, Sarah's phone, who's been killed. Um, and then she sticks a claw hammer in his arm, which you're kind of rooting for at this point. Here's the thing about this movie I love. Every time she gets a hit in on him or damage him, do whatever, 
Kate and I were both like, yeah, fucking yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you want her to, you want her to succeed. You want her to get his, get his ass, kill him. Um, get his ass. Yes. So like, um, she kind of changes in that moment and she turns, you know, that first kind of step towards ultimately what she needs to be. And she turns back and walks. I love when she turns his back on him. She turns her back on him, and mm-hmm. you can tell it really bothers him. Oh, you could because that ego that we she like, takes the power yeah, back a so little bit good. in that moment. She kind of recognizes that this is a power thing for him, and she starts taking steps towards like psychologically manipulating him after that. Like, she doesn't fully get it right away, but like she starts realizing she can use his ego against him a little bit, right? Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of terrifying to not know how much noise you're making. Like when she makes mm. the, the, yeah. the, the, like, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to throw this thing in the woods, then I'm going to go outside. I can't imagine how scary it is to not know how much noise you're making or not right. know if what you're doing is audible. Um, but it's cool so that what, she, are you she doing the right thing, the wrong like, thing, you don't know. She yeah. remembers enough to know that. I feel like that's the cool thing about the story of like, she knows enough about sound, but also the vibration of things to know like how it could impact someone else. Yes. You know, right. you know what I mean? So like the diversions and even like, I, the only thing that like I didn't understand is like, she knew how, like how to walk on a roof. Cause I feel like that could have been really fucking loud, but I'm getting ahead. But, but I'm saying yeah. like, but it's still the concept of the sound. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're up on a roof, to be fair, to, 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 be fair. Uh, to this uh, point, if you're up on the roof, you have like a sense of the texture of the tiles. Yeah. And they're usually a lot more like sandpapery gritty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your foot slips, it, you're making a lot of noise sure. up there. So there's some of these things intuitively that you don't really think about when you can hear, but she has to take into extreme consideration. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she, you know, the vibrations under the porch thing, you know, she understands kind of how important it is to keep eyes on him and use the knowledge of the house and the layout of the house to her advantage. Um, but and I feel like even to a certain extent, somehow he kind of vibed, like he was able to use that against her in certain ways at times. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. She's still I mean? at like, a disadvantage no yeah, matter yeah. how she breaks it down. Like he still somehow had that knowledge, like whether he looked around and you don't really know. It seems so random that you don't really know, but I feel at the same time, it almost seems uh, like he had done enough to walk around the house and know where she might go. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree. Um, So she... So the timing of some of her distractions doesn't work out well, Mm -hmm. and it's a little frustrating as a viewer, but it's like... It's almost it's kind of realistic because like if she was like superhuman in her timing, I think it would have distracted from it a little bit. Or if she was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to outthink him for shot. You right. know what I mean? Well, also, like one of her distractions is she throws that flashlight into the woods. Yeah. But it like it goes into the woods and then it doesn't move. Right. So like pretty quickly, I think most people would pick up on the fact that, oh, mm-hmm. that's not moving. It's not going anywhere. She's probably not there. It's not a person mm-hmm. running. And then she took too long on the roof. But right. like, again, in that moment, like who among us would be able to mm-hmm. like figure, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's just, she's grasping for straws. There's certainly a degree of desperation, but um, she gets thought shot in the thigh with a cross, but uh, crossbow at this point, but she mm-hmm. manages to get the crossbow from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is really struggling to pull the bolt back. And I love the, I, the, the, the scene where she back in the house with the crossbow is, is going through like when she comes to the realization that 
she knocks him off the roof. So now he's not at a hundred percent. She's obviously been severely injured. And it's this idea of like, she's going through all the scenarios in her head mm-hmm. of if I do this, I'm going to, so this was a great, great, super impactful scene where she plays out a scenario in her head. You don't realize this is in her imagination. She runs right. out, he tackles her, gets on top of her, bashes her head yep. in. And you're like, holy fuck, did she die? And even like I said, Kate was watching it for the first time. And I wanted to be like, no, this isn't real. This is in her brain. And yeah. then you start realizing that she's going through all the scenarios in her she brain. Exactly what she does. To her if brain. I do yeah. this, I probably will just bleed to death. If yeah. I do this, he's going to catch me. If I do this, he's going to catch me. It's just like, it's the thing in a slasher movie. And this is the most impactful metal part of this movie is like when, you know, there's slasher movies. It's a old adage. Scream takes advantage of this trope. Don't do that. Don't be an idiot. We all are telling you what to do in our brains, but Mm -hmm. you're not doing the right thing. She's actually doing the thing that everyone would do in this scenario if they were put in this, which is think about every imaginable thing. And she's doing Mm -hmm. it at a high level. Um, So I don't know. It was was pretty, pretty impactful in my, in my mind. A couple of things. So she probably, there's, there was a couple things at this point where I'm like, okay, like, did she really need to like sterilize the wound at this point, you know, where she got shot with a crossbow? Like, I don't think infection's your biggest concern at this point, but whatever. Um, you know, this whole idea of like the guy still pulling back the crossbow after he had a claw hammer in the arm. There's a couple things where I'm like, eh, did this really, was this really going to happen? Or was this really 100% believable? Like nothing stuck out of me as like glaringly unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she eventually John shows up. And at this point, she is plotting that, like, she's going to get one shot with this crossbow, and that's about it, right? She's got him in the heart of the head. That's what she mm-hmm. says. John shows up. The, the the killer says he's a cop. He's not convincing at all. John doesn't believe him, but kind of takes a while to put things together and, like, get the kind of gumption to make a move. Um, and, you know, happenstance, she gets he gets distracted by Maddie at the worst possible time. And and the killer gets him. Right. Uh, and but Maddie is an accessory to murder. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just like so. Perfect. You're just like she doesn't understand what's going on because he's like, I know he's fucking done something fucked up. Yeah. And then she distracts and he's just like, right yeah. into your throat. But even in that moment, like John, he was just like the big meathead jock who, like, yeah, could have beat the shit out of the guy if given the opportunity. But the guy kind of got the upper hand on him because of the distraction. Even then, John like does a smart thing, which is to play possum and then get on top of him and just barely like mm, passes know. out or dies, expires yeah. before he can choke the guy out. It's just like kind of heartbreaking. But, but you're telling yeah. me Maddie couldn't see that he had a rock in his hand. I don't he, think so. Or, I just don't so think I, I, the I, way I took it is she was trying to get in position for a shot. Right. And of course the presumption is she's struggling with the crossbow in the house. And by the time she got down there, she saw the melee happening. You wanted her to run out and, you know, while John, but she doesn't like while John was wrestling with him to go in and double team him, but like but I'm saying, she causes the distraction that gets him stabbed. Mm-hmm. She couldn't take a second to look at John's like just as, uh, absorb see, the I situation. I because I did feel like it night. did feel erratic, <laughs> but I feel like knowing how emotional she felt, and I'm not trying to defend it here. I'm just saying, mm. like thinking through the scenarios. Don't worry, Brian. I'm gonna fucking destroy you. Okay. Um, like how long was she at that but, picture but window? I, but though? I feel like if you, you don't were, know. if you were in that no. situation, it's like one of those things that like I could understand the scenario where you're just like, 
don't fucking trust him because and then knowing that he's a tougher dude and bigger than this guy that he could probably take him immediately but that thing that you don't realize is that dude's like I'm still really smart and I'm gonna like use a distraction to stab you in the neck real fast well yeah you know what I mean like uh, but I get what you're saying though too because everything leading up to this point she's telling us that she thinks through scenarios yeah. And this is like an erratic situation. Yeah, yeah. but she I mean? didn't think this one through. Right. She didn't exactly. let she didn't exactly. let John just mollywop him with the rock. Yeah, and then she could have run out with the crossbow she and finished him off. I, mean, I feel like that's unreasonable. It. She couldn't trust his. She she had no idea what his plan was. Right. Why distract him though? <laughs> she saw a savior. She has been solo by herself with a murderer chasing her for hours, presumably, or an hour, whatever it is at this point. All of a sudden, she sees the neighbor come. And they're just out there talking. Or she could have crept out the door and gotten a free shot but with the crossbow. In her mind at this point, though, in her mind, they're out there talking like things are just kind of normal. So, like, yeah, because they, they were just conversing. No, not at that point. At that point, he had he had he him. He the rock in his hand. Yeah, he, he had, was ready to he had strike. A, he had him. I don't know. He I had him looking at something. He had him he distracted. Was he was picking up a rock. He, was like, he already had smack the rock. Him. Yeah. yeah. So he she already... didn't necessarily see the rock. It could have been from that angle. I'm just saying, like, not a far fetched thing that she didn't know what his plan was. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. There's no way looking outside, seeing two people standing there talking. One is a person you know and trust, and one is obviously a murderer. You don't know what they've talked about up to this point. You just see them out there talking and not fighting. You want to go, that guy's a danger. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I, I just, I, 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 I absolutely can't fault her for that. Um, like, yeah, I like, that's the only thing that where I can understand both sides that, like, when it comes to the story, it doesn't have continuity because she seems so calculated and thinks through shit. And this is one time where she's just like, emotional right. about it plus about, it's plus not emotional it's just you're warning your friend that the person that's there is a murderer because he's not reacting in a way that but she also that already she knew that, that like his girlfriend was already dead like but i'm gonna say like i could see both scenarios like yeah. i'm not denying that and in a reaction would be to be like get the fuck away you're my friend that guy's a murderer right bang, but bang. i also feel like just with the story context that it doesn't have that continuity because you would think that like she would have come downstairs seen that and figured out a way to get him to understand that this is a mm. bad situation because you she's saw been so calm the whole time she hasn't really been though she's just been dealing with the blows as they come so all of a sudden she's there and she has somebody who she cares about who is in the proximity of the murderer, your first instinct is going to be warn them he's a murderer. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not denying that. Like I said, I'm seeing all scenarios, but I'm thinking like what is the story actually leading us to believe she should have done? I think that would have been super. I think that would have maybe taken it over the top for me. Uh, you know what I think it would have done is mm. would have saved John and John made John the hero. And I think the whole point yeah, John was that. Was a, John and was I think a, the whole uh, point was that uh, yeah. Maddie needed to be the hero and the person that walked away from this as like the yeah. the savior of it. And I that's what I actually think. The th the fact that we are picking apart this very s small, relatively inconsequential part of it makes it to me more clear that this was an extremely believable movie. 
No, no, no. It was yeah. like yeah, I think, yeah. like I think, like leaning into this. Like I told you, I like this was probably like my third or fourth time watching this movie. It's a mm. good movie. Yeah, I'm not saying it's gonna be my winner for <laughs> yeah. tonight, but okay. it was, it's a good movie. I yeah. think it's like I genuinely like this movie. Yeah. So so I'm still it, gonna destroy it. In any case, she she you can't. It's too good. Um so she deductive reasoning, she she kind of shows she she has to kill him. So she misses her shot, right? She 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 hits hits him in the shoulder instead of the heart. Um and then she he crushes her hand in the door, but then he lets her go. You know, she kinda, you know, snaps and stares at him, stares him down. I think writes it's an important blood, scene like, in this. Do I it, genuinely you, do. She writes, Do important. it, you coward, because he's like, I'm coming inside. And she's like, Do it, you coward. You know, and I think it's part in defiance and then part playing against his ego. Um, and then, I feel like you're going too fast on this and how important this part well, of the movie is. Well, because this episode so, can't be five hours so, long. It's so fucking good. Like, yeah. I, I will tote it to so much in saying that, like, that was an Stop important scene. defending I'm not. I still don't yeah, think it's, it's the, the best, best movie of the three. It's by far the best movie of the three. I just think it's a good movie. It's not even close. It's the best movie of these three. Um, in any case, um, so you she... Guys bear- have, you guys have never done Debate Club. Yeah, so she... <laughs> so, so she... she she leaves this description because he goes, oh, I'm coming inside. She, he starts banging on the glass. He can't break the glass. So it's kind of this like moment of like impotence for him. Like he can't get his fucking ass in the glass, even though he was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a big tough guy. I'm going to break in. No, you can't. You fucking bitch. Anyway, so so she kind of barricades herself in the back bathroom. And uh, as this kind of last resort, you know, she's obviously feeling very woozy. You know, he comes in behind her. She's on the verge of passing out. Of course, she can't hear um and you know she he's kind of toying with her again his ego gets the best of him and then she finally feels at the very last minute when he's about to kill her this breath down her neck um and then she fucking surprisingly stabs his ass um and and uh and and now he's hobbled so she runs out the door um she plays possum in the kitchen sprays his ass in the face with wasp spray blinds him turns on the crazy alarm so he can't hear so she's taken away his Mm -hmm. sight she's taken away his hearing Mm -hmm. um and this big melee ensues and this whole thing is like you kind of saw this she was going to take away his sight she was going to take away his hearing but i love the fact that she doesn't just do that she outwills him in the end so this melee ensues he's strangling her and just as like you think she's gonna pass out, her life's like flashing before her eyes. She gets the fucking corkscrew, sticks it in his neck, and in this moment, Kate goes yes. Like yeah. as soon as she sticks no, it in the neck, and it's yeah. like just perfectly made me remember how I felt the first time I saw this movie, and uh, and and you just love the kind of look of relief and satisfaction in her face. You know, she 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 doesn't really at that point when she's laying there, you kind of don't know if she's mortally wounded still, but you're like, she kind of doesn't care if she dies. Cause she got his fucking ass. Like, I love that. Like, fuck you. You didn't get me. Even if I die, you didn't get me kind of thing. And then she sits in the porch porch with her cat until, until the cops come, mm-hmm. um, which, which is great. So, so, you know, maybe the, like I said, maybe the best cat and mouse version, you know, I've kind of ever seen in, in my mind. Um, it's brutal. It's tense. It's unique. It's well written. It's well acted. It just it leaves you feeling good, which you don't need that, but it's an it's an added bonus in this kind of cat and mouse type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, right afterwards, because Kate was like Kate hates like the um, you know 
home home invasion type mm-hmm. of movies, she was like, so we've turned on Hubie Halloween right after this. After kind of a palate cleanser. So so short and sweet, but that that is uh I just feel like this is um I don't know. It's just such a well written movie. It's so unique. So I, I okay. give it to me. So I feel like it like I've like I've said multiple times already, it's a good movie. I genuinely have enjoyed it to the point where I've actually watched it a few times. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think it does, especially after evaluating it in modern slasher, is I don't think it fits all the cat- categories for like what would be a modern slasher? I think it has way more home invasion and like that cat and mouse and like revenge. If you look things. up the best modern slashers of the last decade, almost none of them. And I look just out of curiosity as a gut check, look on every single list of modern slashers. Almost none of them fit perfectly into the no, no, classic no, 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 slasher no, no. genre. No, no, no. I totally agree. But I feel like in our context, in our Yours is movies, a character study. I, it's, calm down. Yeah. You'll, you'll get your defense here. <laughs> Come on. Saying, you'll get your my, defense More of a slasher here. than... Maybe both of your nah, movies. No, not I, I, I will not yours agree is, with that. I will not yours agree is with that. ASL funny games. And <laughs> <laughs> so. But like, no, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a good fucking movie. I just feel like there are certain elements that are definitely slasher. What is it if it's not a slasher? It's a home invasion. It's a, I think it's a home invasion. Okay, funny so game. yours is a whodunit. It's a whodunit no, slasher. No, but I feel like his has it is way a more elements. But it's a whodunit no, no. slasher. It's a slasher. Yours is not it's a slasher. definitely a slasher. His is definitely a slasher. I'm not saying yours is not a slasher. It's literally a serial killer that shows up to the house and kills people. He does not like being wrong in Be- any yeah. way, shape, it's or not, form. It's 100% a slasher. No, no, no. 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 I'm not saying it is. it's not a slasher. <laughs> Look up the definition of slasher. It's not 100% a slasher. I'm just saying. <laughs> Nothing is 100% okay. a slasher. Hey, guys. We're here to decide what might be a really amazing, the best slasher film, right? Here's here's and here's here's where about yours. The three, I think yours might be the weakest. Yours is the weakest because here's where really... it fails. Here's where's here's where your fails. Okay, where's the body count? You doesn't got... matter. You don't need a you don't need a giant body count. There's there mm, it's it's a, you don't. I would, I would think most people would think about slashers. I would and think about would... a body count for sure. How many body? What's the body count I... in in the first Halloween movie? I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, that it's not. It's not insanely high by any. But it's more than. It's more than. I. So here's here's the definition yeah. I'll put down. Here's the definition I'll put down. Uh, if you consider the real world of what consider what constitutes a mass shooting, it has to be four or more victims. Sure. There's only two victims in this film. So well, three, but one of them doesn't, mm, doesn't die. count. But yeah, I, so, but so I, here, but here's the thing: I mean, if you, I if you literally from... read the definition of a slasher, none of this exists. No, 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 no. I, I'm thinking about like I am solely looking at it from our three movies. Yeah. If I'm looking at it from the only lens of our three movies, I think like mine might be the top. Yeah. I definitely think it's the top. <laughs> it's by think, far the I worst think... of the three. <laughs> Um, but I'm just saying like I think it has a slasher slasher elements because we talk about like the camp like when you brought up the point about has this camp slasher vibe it does like it has all these vibes but I'm like it does not hit home for me when it comes to that aspect there's so many other things that come up for me that are positive but like slasher or like camping slasher are not it so the definition of a slasher and not the definition your definition of a slasher is more important 
than the quality of the movie and the script and the acting and all this within of this category. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe I don't really? know. I feel like I feel like maybe no. Like I feel like it's a good movie. So like, if I were to pick, so so if I you know, so I'm I'm looking right. I'm looking at all this. So you're next, for example, right? Okay. Widely considered to be one of the better slasher movies yeah. of the last twenty years. It's still slightly a home invasion too. Though, it right? is a yeah. home invasion haunted house movie. Yeah, yeah. This is more slasher than that. Sure. If you're leaning on body count as a differentiator, I'm not it's personally. Your argument it's just, I'm personally one, not. It's one of. It's one I'm of my things. I'm not personally doing that. Yeah. I'm just saying that. It's I'm one of my things. Head. I just keep getting interrupted. Yeah. So one, yours <laughs> does not have the body count. Two, yours doesn't have any boobs in it. <laughs> We're not talking about schlock slashers. So you guys That's are creating. You guys are started. You guys are creating your own definition of a slasher and slasher abiding started. to it. I think everybody agrees that slashers no, no, no. fall it, into. Like, I don't want to be co- coupled in with anything besides that. I like. I am still going to defend that. I think Hush is a really good movie. I've literally. I don't watch a lot of movies twice. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. I just don't. Like, when we were talking about this sub genre <laughs> of things. I don't think it's like top tier of it. I just don't think it is. Like I, I think there are like other good examples of that. If we were like looking in like I'm not hearing any arguments about the movie. There's not much of a chase to this film. It's all small location. The location's. whole movie is a chase. No, it's a cat and mouse chase within a small yeah. one location. Because she's been isolated. Because I feel like sometimes when I see slasher films, I think about like I, I am I guess I'm thinking about like the kill it's not as ca- always ca- as calculated maybe if i'm like i'm defining this on the fly so please be gentle with me right no, now no i'm defending like, i will not be gentle <laughs> i know you're not gonna be gentle but i'm like if i think about class some classic slasher-esque films i'm like it's like sometimes there's not always a point which granted the killer doesn't have a point but he also doesn't have a backstory which also leads me to believe that like that's why i think like I, i'll talk about it in my defense of maniac of why i think like sometimes having those whys helps create the whole spectrum of a slasher film too of like it's not always like this super deep shit but like there is no point it is seriously just a like I'm just going to come around and I'm just going to kill you. So that's what makes me believe it. Like the whole more home invasion vibe. Like that's what leads me more that way. Whereas like a lot of slasher films, I think tend to have like, Oh, my mommy like hurt me when I was a kid and I'm just sad mm. now. You know what I mean? Something fucking traumatic happened. That's and a granted, classic this, slasher. But like, but this guy definitely has like, we know. And that's why I made the point to talk about like, we don't know his story, so like yeah. that's what I think maybe maybe took away slightly from the slasher idea that it just that's, like so he's you just are like a you are you are categorizing it or you are putting it up against classic slashers, right? But, but, but that's a kind modern of a, slasher, exactly. But right. you have so like, you have to look at classic slashers in order to define what a modern slasher you is. You do, but, wait, but at the I same guess, time, the I think okay, should we define right now? Like, because we only define two thousand to present. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> that's why this but, fits but great. In order, in order for it to be a, a modern slasher, you have to take away things from what a classic slasher is. Sure. So there are small elements of you know there is the cat and mouse game, which you would find in Halloween. Yeah, uh, but uh, Halloween does expand to like the neighborhood. It goes farther. Mm-hmm. There is a more of a body count. There is, and you have to think that's seventy eight. So you kind of have to up things. This to... is a small independent movie too. Yeah, so you have to understand that. Like, so it was Funny Games. No, so no, no, no. this is so much like Funny Games. It, it is, but it's not as good. <laughs> this is much more unique, I think, in its mm. premise. 
I, I think I don't I, think it is. There's I think it's more stranger. well acted too. It's it, it's more well yeah, written and it's more well acted, but it's not that interesting to look at. It's, everything is blue. It everything is. there's not it a, is there's not it a lot of interesting flashy. Ca- yeah, there's not, not a lot flashy. of interesting camera movement. I, you know what? I would say you no know, camera movement. I would agree on cinematography is not through the roof, but acting is great. Yeah. The script is great. It's sure. tight. Sure, tight script. Sure, yeah. um, the story doesn't have any holes in it. Super, super excellent. I kind of find the funny film. that we're talking about the script when it's very minimal. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is a like, What is actually said? <laughs> but well, dialogue and script are two different things. But yeah. I, I would say, like, anyway, I, I, I defend that not only is this a slasher, um, I'm not it definitely it's not. I'm it's, it's, it's a not slasher black. with. Like, it, my point is, if if defining a movie that has big plot holes or big problems with it which we for example i'll pick on steve because he already did his like the ending of that movie falls the fuck apart sure yeah mine does net never does that whoop they do so what where's your body count that's what brings I, people into slashers. No, no, no. See I a good movie is what brings it. I, I, no, I, I agree. There's like, so many thing, Fridays like, that aren't good think... movies. Yeah, and they're terrible. Yeah, yeah. I still think that like. Hush is a good movie and that Steve's movie falls apart, but I still think his is a better representation of a slasher than yours. That's boobs what I'm murder, saying. Bro. I can't that's imagine why. <laughs> boobs and murder. That's all it is. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like your <laughs> your definition is Okay, so so I feel like yours is like so highbrow. I feel like Hush is like a highbrow slasher movie. It's a modern kind of meta slasher sure yeah you're you're like defending what i'm just saying no it's better <laughs> it's way better okay. i don't know okay Brian it's a matter of personal opinion matter of personal opinion right you guys are making such weak arguments but sticking to them so hard okay let's go let's go what else what else what about the story what about the story is bad anything else no it's just, it's just super simplistic but there's and you're right the script is really tight but it's just not an interesting slasher film you don't have an interesting motive for the killer which most of the killers you get a motive for but mm-hmm. i like this doesn't glorify the killer that i like no it doesn't I glorify the killer he was just a slasher films do glorify the killer. modern ones maybe yeah. modern ones don't Maybe modern ones shouldn't. I feel like well, both of ours do. Both of ours do. Both yeah, of that's ours why do. mine's better than both of yours. But, <laughs> and then so do other films like Hatchet and yeah. one of your previous Hatchet, choices. Hatchet, Hatchet, you've already said Hatchet is not a good modern slasher. It is an old slasher. I say it's an old slasher, but yeah. it is made in modern times. Yeah. So it's not a modern slasher though. Yeah, it, it is a throwback slasher made modern. It's the least innovative of modern slashers. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. innovative about it. Yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's the least innovative. But then the other one that was a pick of yours, possible uh, Leslie Vernon, mm-hmm. absolutely glorifies the killer, and that's and why fall. I didn't pick it. But that it's a common theme that they get glorified. Yeah, that's, and that's why I didn't pick it because because I thought that that was so. That it was sounds like Brian is trying to define that modern slashers do not glorify killers. No, no, that's what this one like doesn't. <laughs> this one doesn't, and I think it's not a prereq. Because I'm not saying that they shouldn't. A... I'm saying mine doesn't and shouldn't be approved. I feel okay. like it would be a better conversation to actually maybe subsequent conversations and maybe on a mini-sode is we start defining these more modern things. Because I would actually be interested because yes, this, this is a good... This is a broad genre. I get it. It's a broad topic. This is a really good argument because I feel like after the 2000s, like 
it became, it's the same thing that I think about with beer or even music where it becomes less about the genre Mm -hmm. and more about just what's happening. Right. And so like you and I are clearly like walking to this being like, what are classic slasher things, but in a modern story. And you're like, what is a modern story that has a slasher element? Yeah. We're we're, we're, genuinely, I think that's like, the. we're arguing a thing that we did never defined beforehand. Yeah. And and I'm just, my thing is just like how many of those prereqs, you know, of like the nudity, the 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 schlock, <laughs> the gore. Nudity is <laughs> is a pretty, weak one. It's pretty popular though. It's in there. It, it is, you went to, but like you went it's to not for elemental thrill. to a story it's not elemental, at all, but to the genre. Yeah, not it's to just the story, not. I to mean, the genre. body count, I will take a little yeah. bit. A and nudity then, like, thing, just eh. an interesting. I think, I think we're creating yeah. a rule for the show now that we need to when we just when a when a genre subgenre is chosen. Not only do we define if it's a time period, but we also define what does it mean? Yeah. I like just well, keep it's, it messy it's, too. It's, it's how many, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because it's like, like how many, of, yeah. I don't I'm not like upset that. at all. I just like to argue. <laughs> yeah. It's like how, how, how many of those prereqs can you lose? Like how many yeah, of those yeah. things from the classic sure. def- definition can so you we, lose we, before you you're not think, that? You have to think so far out too, I think, because mm-hmm. I think depending on it, like we chose this modern slashers was definitely, so broad that so much has happened in the last fucking 21 years right that like it could have gone in five different directions and and even in that even in that time frame like home invasion films became a lot more popular because you had the original purge you had strangers you had which was was actually on one of my lists initially like so it would stand to reason that a genre that became infinitely more popular over the last 20 years would have a huge effect on a modern slasher as opposed to a classic slasher sure yeah no no i don't think i don't think that's wrong and i'm not saying that like i'm not saying that like you're wrong but i'm just saying in the context solely of the three movies that we chose yeah. this is how i feel it's just like how movies from 2020s 10 years from now 20 years from now we will look at movies from the 2020s and go yeah they're all hyper political mm-hmm. because that's what's happening in the mm-hmm. landscape right you know in 20 the 2010s you had movies like you know strangers and you know all these all these movies that came out around this time that were home invasion movies and that was something that was popular in the horror zeitgeist at the time so of course slasher movies are going to have a huge you know th- they're going to suck in some of that via osmosis yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's super normal that and i'm not like I'm like literally not trying to push away that yours has slasher elements. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not going to be that person. What I'm saying is that just like in the context of our three films, that's my job. Yours is the weakest. Either... It's becoming very tenuous. <laughs> the arguments that you guys are making against no, this being I just, a slasher. I, I just feel like, I feel like in all of the, even like any of them, I rebut like, them and then you go, but it's not. No, no, it's like okay, we got good stabbies, but like again, I think the body count. But stabbies thing is not... are big. Stabbies are big. Stabbies are big. I just feel but like they, stabbies they, are not like... as big as body count or boots. No, 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 no. I feel it's like it's part of it. That's the, the one thing it the, maintains. The biggest from. thing is like I feel it like does not have when boobs. we have had to live through the last twenty-one years, a lot of the things that happened border more on home invasion, taunting. That's in my mind how I felt about it. Like when you chose Hush, I'm like, okay, I'll see. I'll I'll revisit this through the lens that maybe this is a slasher. And like I still walked away being like, no, it's this badass bitch who fucking fought back against this person 
so there's like this weird like slight revenge-esque-ness to it Mm -hmm. but it still has more home invasion as like accents to it versus like I am a murderous motherfucker who is going to fucking kill everything and everyone. Even the fact that he decided to pause and toy with her goes in my mind. And when I think about a slasher, no matter whether it's classic or new, goes against the idea of a slasher because it's more calculated. Freddy Krueger a slasher? Yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He toys with his victims. But only because he knows he has them. They're not getting away for the most part. Whereas but the, his, his in his mind, in his ego, she wasn't either. He's right. done this however many times. Well, that's the thing. You don't have enough of backstory. He, he is a weak Which character. What, we're, we're comparing. I'll agree with that. Yeah, he, I'll agree with Steve's. Yeah. I'll agree with Steve's point there. I was going to say because this is one movie versus however many Freddy exactly. movies. But yeah, he, he is a weak character. Is so. a, mo- a character that we don't know enough about. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even argue. Yeah. I wouldn't even concede that he's a weak character. He's even, just a character we don't know a lot about. If yet. we're walking away from this conversation trying to define what a modern slasher is, I do feel like the one thing I take away, and even in like some of the choices we made, yeah. is that the background and who someone is kind of fucking matters but you guys have that built in because your movies aren't originals okay but i still feel like the movies within so like your movies movies don't do that but mine i like i'm gonna defend my own i'm not gonna talk about steve's it's like i still feel like mine still within the story builds the background that's what i'm saying yeah i agree so i'm like we're talking about foster like what do we know about foster well, we come to learn. We know he's a cop. Yeah. Well, we come to learn that he is, you know, the grandson of the last victim of the Phantom Killer. So is the is it more important? And this is my last point. Then I'm going to shut up because we do need to get to Meg's movie at some point. <laughs> um, but my care, my point not. is like, is it more important for him to have a motive and that motive be stupid? Well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. Like, I'm willing to concede that part is stupid of my film. Yeah. But the thing is, my well, film also has boobs and body count. <laughs> the The motive is another... The, the motive and characterization of yeah. the killer is just another thing that you have to choose whether or not I you agree. lose. I wish there was if, a little bit film, more, but... You know, like, if your film had... If the killer of the film had, like, a very interesting backstory or, like, a supernatural backstory or anything... Yeah. something we knew more about him i could even accept that he would only chase her for the entire movie that sure. you could get rid of the neighbors yeah. but i'm just talking about there's there's a list of things that i consider to be a slasher and i think would be generally agreed upon of you know nudity gore uh interesting backstory for the killer glorifying the killer and kind of expanding it beyond one location yeah the, I mean, I get it. That's fine. Location, I feel like I we could probably That's, be either or. The, yeah. Well, I get it. I don't I think the glorifying the killer thing is necessary because, like, Maniac, the original Maniac, nineteen eighty, yeah, um, doesn't glorify. No, it, it doesn't Spinella have to. It doesn't have to. But it should. That's just like a checklist. <laughs> yeah. And it's like if you don't hit any of those. Which your film doesn't for me. Yeah, but that's your list. That's what I'm saying. And but that's your I, list and you're going to vote. Yeah. I get it. It's your list and you can have your list and vote on it. I just don't know that that's generally a well-accepted list of I, I think it is if you ask a lay person. Yeah. Of like, what do they think of when yeah, they think you're, of... You're like, specifically saying like that... If somebody... If you wrote that list, right? And yeah. you put it in front of me and you said, what genre am I describing? I would say 80 slashers. Right. This is an 80 slashers and modern slashers. No, but... In order to make a modern slasher, you have to at least still maintain some of the elements. Some of the elements. Yours doesn't maintain like that. Both of ours is that, like, to Steve's point, excuse me, is that 
I know both of our movies had most of those things on his list. Yeah, but you guys so, are like, both both of your movies are 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 classic slasher remakes. Right, but they are modernized in their own totally ways. They're totally modernized. Because yours hers takes is modernized. Mine is modernized mine through is cinematography modernized. and sound design and just storytelling because it yeah. it takes a meta storytelling which is very modern for our time. That's yeah, very that, post- that's what I say. That's why I said that yeah. would I feel be like a I'm modern defending slash. my movie before defending my movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then Meg's takes a lot of chances in the way it's told. Yeah. So that's a modernization. But, but mine, mine takes a lot of chances in the sense that it is um, boring it, it takes and on... small. Oh my god! Can <laughs> we move right, on? Okay, yes, yes, we do need to move on. Okay, Meg. Okay, so we we've we've uh, we we've exhausted. I've talked way 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 too much and defended myself probably harder than I need to. Um, so let's get in, Meg. Let's get into uh, let's get into Maniac. I opted for the classic. 2012 it's remake coming on hard right after that <laughs> remake of Maniac, um, which is a psycholo- psychological slasher film, and boy is it ever, guys! <laughs> Let's really get into this. So, the story of a tortured schizophrenic Frank Zito, played by the amazing Elijah Wood, who stalks, kills, and scalps his victims to dress all of the mannequins and. All the mannequins in the mannequin repair shop that he inherited from his mother when she passed. So this film was uh, written by um, Alexandre Aha. And uh, also, I'm just going to note, Gregory Lesevere. I fucking am really about the names. And we've been drinking and I'm last. But I like... (laughs) Drinking and I'm last and their names are foreign. (laughs) Yes. I'm fucking We've up been so drinking bad. and I'm last. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> I'm just going to get that even, tattooed across my shoulder blades. I'm just going to toss in here the director too as Frank Kalb. Frank Kalb. He's a Frank with a CK. So we gotcha, know it's gotcha. French as fuck. Yeah. Um, but anywho, like I wanted to group them all together because a lot of their nodals, they seem to work together in a lot of different films. Um, Hills Have Eyes seems to be notable for all three of them, mm-hmm. which is really fucking cool. Alexander um, Audra also did High Tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He yep. had, I had other notables as like Mirror, Piranha, 3D, Horns, and Crawl, and stuff like that. Um, and then like that, the uh, Gregory, he seemed to be like his producer in a lot of things sure. too. Um, the director was an actor as well. Like he definitely did like a, pretty much everything over his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys seem to have found like their place together when working together. This film. I'm just going to note some awards because Ian didn't fucking do that. We could probably skip the awards, but, you know, whatever. You know, it's Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, so these are important to our consumers <laughs> sure, here. Sure. Um, yeah, I know, like, we got a lot of, like, best actor for multiple things and even uh, best score, best, like, editing, blah, blah, blah. It's a pretty dope film. <laughs> it's a pretty dick film. <laughs> end of end of argument. <laughs> end of argument. I'm not gonna get through this in 20 minutes. Um, but getting back to the film, so Frank didn't have it really that good growing up. You know, we learned throughout the movie that his mother was a lady of the night and would allow her son to watch. So no shade to any sex workers, but clearly 
this it really would fuck up any child that would have to be sure. exposed to it. And the only good memory he took away was being able to brush his mother's mother's hair. So like cue that we definitely see scenes throughout it that he like has these positive memories and that's pretty much it, which gives us like all the insight we need to understand of why he gets upset, obsessed with like um, women's scalps. But yeah, so, but constantly he needs to have this itch that needs to be scratched throughout the film. Um, you know, the scalp being riffed off and to like feel anything. So his connection with his mother is like the big um, driver with every single thing that happens throughout his fucking murder sprees. And he kind of constantly needs to have this itch that needs to be scratched that like when he kind of has these episodes that he needs to go out and find like the scalp that somehow he's trying to find his fucking mother mm-hmm. through in in that. One of the biggest standouts that I really appreciated throughout this film was like the first perspective, which has already been called out is like a weird thing, but I found it being really intense in a way. And I felt like, the, even like when I'm thinking about watching this, I think the first time I saw it was probably 2014-ish time, maybe 2013, that like that created this intensity throughout the film that it wasn't always that perspective, but when it did, it was always related to his, like it's definitely always related to his murders and I think like made you almost feel part of the murder in a way, in yeah. a small way. And it like... It, it like built that intensity through around it. It definitely adds to the brutality, like a hundred percent. It does. There's some there's some parts where it, I thought it worked, or some parts I didn't love it. But overall, it was definitely a it was the gimmick of the movie for mm-hmm. sure. Ooh, we're using gimmick now. I mean, it was. I mean, you <laughs> think when they didn't pitch this to a studio, they didn't say, "But it's in first person." Like, was the first right. thing they said. I like that. Like the movie pretty much starts out that like we're instantly getting an insight to how deep Frank is in like his stalking of his victims. And and, like every little piece of what we learn is like, he's just creepy as hell. So even as like his first victim that we see when we open the movie, she veers off a side street and we hear, okay, I know where you live, Judy. See you later. And I'm just like, this is so creepy. So fucking gross. Um, And like, I get goosebumps. So, Flash past the credits and we are at Judy's apartment. Frank cuts the power to her floor. So like clearly there's lights on other places, but like he begins following her, which I feel like the way they did it, I found it interesting and also maybe slightly off putting that like he, we can hear him breathing and we know he's following her. So that was like a big point of it. But like the person being followed doesn't feel it. And I feel like instincts might've slipped, slipped in, but with Judy specifically, if they make it a point that we can tell that she hears him behind him and basically she opens her door turn like she turns around and he's like please don't scream you're so beautiful holy fuck guys like can we not talk about how like i just feel like in that scenario just like gives so many it was great- a creepy it was definitely the creepy following in the dark thing mm-hmm. was was effective yeah. um the kill made her look like she was made of melted wax, but um, the the like the the following her is obviously creepy, and it yeah. makes you feel weirdly complicit. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the fact the fact that you're in the first person like ninety nine percent of the time in this movie, you feel complicit in the murder. You feel like you're a part of it, mm-hmm. 
and then to the sound design like there's always a little bit of echo when uh, elijah wood is talking because it's Mm kind of echoing in your own head and 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 the breathing is also like it's very close within you this is like a definitely a theater film yeah if you could see it in a theater i I like yeah and i also don't feel like it's like weird to say out loud in ways of like i feel like with the way they shot it and the way they created like elijah's character in this like remake was it made you almost in ways feel empathetic because like because they did such a good job of exposing how well his psychosis was like affecting everything he did. You knew that there was this like deeper interceded bullshit going on, but he was still just like rampage. He's like, I have an itch that needs scratch and it means that I'm going to kill some bitch and fucking bring her scalp back to my mannequins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And it was but, all related back to his mother's fucking shop and being so obsessed with mannequins and stuff yeah. like that. If if Brian's killer was a process killer, this is a product killer. Oh, for sure. Because he, he, he gets sexual gratification out of it. He gets other gratification do you, through how it. Do you, how do you feel like... I guess I'm curious because I was thinking about the sexual side of it too. Is like he sometimes almost, I feel like, uses the sexual gratification as a way to get someone, but he doesn't always expose his sexual desires. It's more of emotional, like, you know, because I mean, like he like when uh, so I might be driving ahead, but like one of his first vi- or second, vi- second victim in the movie is Lucy. And he uses the dating app to get her lured in. But instead of when he has the opportunity for this to be sexual, it's like instantly turned to fucking anger. Well, it's like a weird fugue state that he gets into at the yeah. in the moment where like he can't control himself. And like I frankly was a a point of confusion for me which is like they played it up early as if it is a um split personality type situation it's it's absolutely a split i took it actually that when because so we're talking about when he kills lucy and he's like yelling basically to himself why do you do this why you know why does this always happen i i almost took it as like he was talking to his mother not necessarily like a split version of himself Mm, but like be. some some residual of his mother that like yeah. won't let him have happiness and i feel like almost you don't totally f- understand that until the end which i almost want to pull some of the quotes that i have like from that period um it was almost when he kills rita at the end and i could be jumping ahead but i'm kind of okay with that with the context because i really think the biggest points for this movie are the emotional points and the kills. Mm. And those there's not much in between besides just he's just a human. Like he's just a person who's dealing with a lot of trauma. And I feel like when you when he kills Rena, that's when one hundred and ten percent you know every single one of his fucking kills has to do with his mother. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with this like internal need and desire to satisfy like something that will never go away. So even when he does find love in Anna he he has to be way more purposeful in taking more medication to be semi-normal, but he's still not normal. Right. He still has these urges. He still goes out and finds women to kill, which like after the relationship with Anna is fully established that like he's definitely in love with this chick, he still has an urge. And that was one of the last kills before Rita happens where he traps the um, aerial artist in the uh, like parking lot. And mm-hmm. that was like, she fucking slashes her fucking Achilles heel. Like we're talking stab, stab, stab. Like this is a stock fucking 
murder here. Like he has a fucking process. You know, he goes through the same stages every single time. And I feel like it's just establishing it like as there's not really much in between it. And that's, I think, like an interesting point. And he really didn't get aggressive with he never really wanted to get aggressive with Anna either, even at the end. She kind of caught him in the act a little bit. Yeah. Oh, no, she, she caught, 110% caught him. Like, well, she, she caught him just, in the story. Yeah, yeah. She, like, she approached she him versus him. Well, appro- you know, he called her the night that he killed Rita and was just like. Well, I, I mean, I mean, just to initiate their oh, relationship. Yeah, 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 she yeah, approached the, his she store. Did, yes. Whereas everybody else, he stalks and finds. Very on his true. Own. And I think like the only thing that changed their dynamic, because I think he could have still had potential to kill her. If she was just like this pretty girl that was just like the right time, right place. Mm-hmm. But that isn't his MO. But she, but he wasn't off put by her because she looked at those mannequins right. a certain way. And he had an affinity, like every ounce of those mannequins had everything to do with his mother. And it always relates back to her. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing with like the women he's chasing. Like he's chosen them, whereas yeah. Anna. Whether it's cho- quicker, like sure, you know, right. sometimes it's like seems like it's longer, and sometimes it's right. shorter. Right, but in the end, he still has chosen them, whereas Anna, in a way, chose him. That's an interesting point. I like that point too. I, I still feel like he made a point to talk about it though, as like, and I'm curious, like, think about it. It's like I, I still think there could have been potential if she didn't show so much interest in those mm-hmm. mannequins. Like, what would have happened? Right. Like, I don't think he would have ever killed her if she didn't, like, put up such a fight at the end. Right. But he technically really didn't kill her, like, physically. He never stabbed her. Right, right, He right. just always, he just, like, even just tried to subdue her when he was attacking her. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're definitely skipping over a lot, but I'm okay with this dialogue because <laughs> I think we're still touching on everything that happened in this movie. And I think, like, the high points are, for sure, the relationship between him and Anna and the kills that happened throughout it. Um, I think the other, like I found interesting points throughout the movie of like when we were able, and I think the cinematography did a great job with like bringing you into his psychosis. Like when he was having like the, what it was described as migraines, but it seemed like almost when his medication was like winding down. And when he would then all of a sudden start seeing everyone look at him, I felt like those were really impactful moments because you know, that's not real, but that's what his mind's telling him is real and whatnot. Um, and you have no other way to take that in as except for face value. Like, like it's not you're not on the outside looking because you're literally on the inside of Frank. But I also think it, I think it. it in ways like helped you empathize with him yeah. in a way because I think like and that's like I feel weird being like oh my god this murderous character blah 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 but, like I think in ways they did a good job being like no I've like felt that way of like I feel like everyone's fucking staring at me and mm-hmm. like the, how that could play into your psychosis and what or psychosis and like why you'd want to fucking murder a bunch of people but I think for him a lot of it does come down to his relationship with his mother and he's always seeking a way to rectify that because he never was able to in like real life. Right. And his only good memories are of like brushing her hair. So we're coming back to this very specific reason why he does what he does and he will never fucking stop. Do, is, do they explain and I, maybe I probably missed it, but it's like, how did she die? 
his mother. Did she just get they, sick and die? No, I, no, they, I don't they, think they, they ever said. They never okay. did, actually. It must have been old age. It had to have been old age. Yeah, because he says at some point now, so in the original movie, he says when he's on a date with the photographer woman, he says like, oh, my mother, I lost my mother last year in a car accident. Okay. So he talks about how his mom died, or maybe it wasn't last year, but like relatively recently. Yeah. But he suggests that she died in a car accident in adult, when he was an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they ever say in this movie. I, I yeah. thought they touched on it on a second, because again, I believe Anna brings Ma- it up, but I just don't remember what, what they said, what yeah, the reason no, was. no, I don't either. It seems pretty inconsequential, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't remember. I only remember... It's, it's, like, I'm it's sorry still I'm not going thing, into but, every yeah. ounce of what happens in this movie, too, because I think like the conversation around it is probably like a lot better. But I think like what I feel like makes this a really good slasher is like we do have a really good background story. You almost even in ways like empathize and you understand why he's doing what he's doing. But at the same time, like that urge to kill is always going to be there. Like there is a fucking reason he's going to keep doing it until he's dead. And I still feel like it's a unique take on the idea of a slasher film in the modern era, even the even it being a, a remake. And I think like you being able to go into the psychosis of this this character, I think, creates this bigger dynamic that, like, in ways you're like, I want you to somehow get out of it. I fucking want you to get out of it. I don't know. I, but you I, don't. I didn't have the empathy for him. That no, that I can understand. That. I mean, like, I can understand. I don't know. I, I actually fought, kind of felt. I'm not trying to be like overly, you know, uh, you know, play this like overly PC card or something like that. But just I felt like. He was still killing people. You so right. like, wanted, you know, like, like the movie almost wanted you to feel empathetic for him. And it's just like, I felt pretty fucking gross. Like the whole time. Like, yeah, but like people deal with, you know, this is a, again, this is, I'm not trying to get overly heavy about a made up movie that mm-hmm. exists, but like this idea of, uh, you know, the idea of like mental, mental health or mental illness is not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Like, I feel like it takes a lot of the responsibility off him. It puts his re- responsibility and the onus and the origins of his mental illness on his mother. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, almost makes this weird argument of, like, well, he was outside of his... And and that's part of the tenuous relationship I've had with the original. Sure. But it never paints Joe Spinell in the original who, of course, plays Frank Zito in the original movie. Joe Spinell, it never really paints him as a it never paints him. It doesn't paint him as much as a, a, a of a sympathetic character right. as this movie yeah, clearly yeah, yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that. I, I didn't get to fully, fully go through the last one, which it's again whatever. But like, I could see just from watching part of it that I can see what we're saying is that I don't think there was as much emotion yeah. that they tried to paint. But I also think in ways like it's kind of like Elijah Woods' character as like actor. You it's know, probably yeah. a little yeah, bit like, him as because yeah. he's this cute little guy. But yeah, and yeah. like Joe Spinell is a big hulking, sweaty maniac. Right. You know, <laughs> what just I mean? a big, like yeah. a big Italian fella. Yeah, with a he's got, and he's kind of looks like a mobster. Yeah. You know, like not to be stereotypical, but he looks like he, you if he Yeah, but I yeah, just to that like, I guess I kind of fall in the middle of you two. Like Meg, you seem to be a little more empathetic. Brian, you didn't feel that at all. Maybe it's because like just I, I I can talk about. It. But I like I didn't get it as much until in if we are okay with jumping it forward a little bit. No, but like, we've been jumping all the yeah. time. It's fine. So this is a uh, good movie to do there's that with. The, there's the art gallery scene where Frank shows up to the art gallery where yeah. he's lent his mannequins to Anna. Mm-hmm. 
that that scene is where I kind of started feeling the empathy because everybody's just treating him like shit, treating him yeah, like, like a nobody. Yeah, like manager and whatnot and yeah, the boyfriend. Her boy, yeah, her boyfriend treats him terribly. Super. I was like, man, why you got to be like that to somebody? Yeah. But then he goes off and kills me. I'm like, oh, that's right. He's a murderer. It's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like in ways that like I feel like maybe comparatively to like the old and it's not really what we should be comparing to. But I feel like they definitely tried to like, I think, create the backstory by giving that empathy. I don't mm-hmm. really like I'm sitting here being like, no, he's still a murderous asshole and everything that he does is really fucked up. Right. But I feel like I think they tried to play him off. But even in how he manipulated characters to get them to trust him, like when he um, were going back now to his first or second victim in the movie, Lucy, of like that conversation where he got on a dating app, which granted super progressive for that time period <laughs> really realistically but um you know I, I feel like he knew he was able to tap into that schizophrenia and have that character come out that was able to play what he needed to be at that time well, and i think when trauma when we talk about trauma in general that's generally what happens is that you like the character that needs to exist at that time comes out and i think over and over again every time he kills he almost has this like regret because he's just like why'd you make me do that type shit because it's like this schizophrenia within Mm -hmm. his brain that it's a different character in his mind who's doing these murders that is like is coming out and it's almost like takes yeah it takes the onus off him a little because in the first movie it's like there's more of this like internal battle between Frank to like overcome his urges and he's always trying to like suppress them. Whereas in this one, it almost treats him just like he's a victim of circumstance a little bit. Mm. Um, I I don't know if I do. Like, I mean, maybe it's a victim of circumstances, but I think like when we talk about schizophrenia, it's not even victim of circumstance as much as like, you are a victim of yourself like you because like you create these because of traumas you're creating these protective mechanisms around you that in his way were really fucked up they're really bad but it's like it's not him telling the story it's the filmmaker telling the story sure so like if he's telling the story as you know a lot frank's character of course he's going to paint himself in a more sympathetic view and i think that's maybe symptomatic of the fact that it kind of feels like frank telling the story sure because you are first person yeah pretty much but again you're experiencing what he experiences so that's why you get assaulted by like the the guests in the restaurant sure i almost he has no control and all that i was almost noticing too and i was trying to see if there was any continuity to it and i think there's mild continuity to it of when he might be in certain schizophrenic like personalities Mm -hmm. um and when he goes into first person person he definitely goes in first person every time he kills so so i mean like but i'm trying i was like other scenarios where he was like at home it wasn't as much first person but there was a couple times it was. well no it's pretty much all first person it's it's when he kills he goes third person and he kind of leaves his own body because uh when he kills Mm -hmm. the the woman in the the car park like he's on top of her and the camera pulls out oh yeah his own vision and then you see his face yeah. Sure. So he's kind of pulled out Same from himself. Same thing with the, the critic or whatever. So it definitely could be related to what personality he's in with either way. Yeah. And it, it, honestly, like schizophrenia. Which is cool. Yeah. Schizophrenia. Like I, there's somebody in my family with schizophrenia and it's yeah. not a personality thing. Yeah, yeah. It's much more of like observing and hallucinations and things that aren't there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, so you're, you're seeing things that aren't real and that's why you get like, you get the people in the restaurant, you get, 
Frank seeing himself as a child on the street. Right. You get Frank seeing his mother everywhere, like even though she's been dead. Mm-hmm. So like he's, he's being assaulted by these visions and hallucinations that he thinks are real. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why it blends like what Brian was saying, like, OK, yeah, maybe Frank is telling that story, but it is still the story that Frank sees. Mm-hmm. And I guess you you see that at the very, very end as well. Yeah. Of like yeah. what Frank sees and then what actually and, happened. And I think that's why, like, when we were talking about choosing movies for this subgenre is like when I first saw that, like, I'm like, this is definitely a slasher. 110 percent. This fucking we're definitely murdering a bunch of people mm-hmm. for semi non specific reasons. But there's definitely a reason behind it. Right. Um, um, but also I feel like taking into context that there's this like psychological element, I think what it really puts it over the top for me that I think changes the game for it. And um, then add in on top of that, the cinematography, I think like really makes it so, okay, guys, destroy me. Try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I liked it. Okay. Uh, I didn't love it. I would say a couple of the things that stuck out to me, I seem to have a difference of opinion on like the whole idea of the first person thing. It really didn't work for me. Sure. Um, I just thought it was, it, it, it painted the killer in too sympathetic of a light. Sure. And like from a modern, like that seems to me a very outdated thing of like, let's, let's make the killer the center. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, not to, because it's clear you guys don't like my movie, but like the idea of like that, I that, but my point, my point is like, it put the emphasis on the victim instead of the killer. And this goes completely the opposite direction so far as to say that it almost gives the killer uh, an out in my mind, uh, which rubbed me the wrong way. Um and the only defense I have to that specific comment was that I feel like he is his own worst enemy throughout this whole movie. And I think that was very clear in like how he died and that like his last image of himself was being torn apart by the things that he created. Yeah. But the thing is like, and I'm putting too much emphasis on this. Maybe, I don't know, but that's, that's William Lustig's idea. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. Joe Spinell's scene. Like this movie, like that final scene, which is the most impactful one, which is in the first one, very clearly demonstrated as a psychological tearing apart of him. Mm-hmm. So much so that in the first movie, the his victims come back to life and literally pull his head off in the mm-hmm. bed in a great practical scene where his head literally gets torn from his body and he's screaming and just in agony because he is psychologically emotionally being torn apart by the the consequences of his actions Mm -hmm. and then when the cops come in they find him where he has gut stabbed himself laying in bed and then you get something that doubles as a a stinger final sequence as well as a i i'm still alive you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i obviously wasn't torn limb from limb sure um whereas in this movie it doesn't really hit home in the same way because they don't really communicate the 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 psychological effects in the same way. I don't know. It's just like well, I want to I want to make I feel like the I want to ask you this question and so that we can separate it from the original from the remake because the original was obviously predated to the idea of modern slashers, and I want to look at it through the solely from the lens of like how does this remake 
not necessarily compare to that in, in, in creating that ending that we want to see, but rather how does it hit home for a modern slasher film? I think you it's know, a think, remake of a classic slasher. So like I, the things that make it modern. Oh my God, we can tear you apart so bad right now for fucking like comparatively to classic and modern slashers. But mine was an original movie. This is a remake. But sure, my, but my, my the, thing, the thing is hers is modernized in a way. It's modernized through it's modernized the way it's from told. A I almost feel like the whole idea of that modern in a way, I think the yeah. emotional aspects that came about it is like, I think instead of like the whole idea of like tearing the head off, because like I said, I didn't like watch the original and went on, but like for this, um, but I feel like the context was still there. He was still torn apart by something. And even though like when they showed up, he didn't yeah. have to be murdered. But it, like it might've had a different impact th- given almost, the modern aspect of it. This almost went so far into the, the backstory where like, I will agree that mine didn't have, and I'm not trying to make the comparison and just, obviously we just had that conversation, but like, Mine didn't have enough backstory about the killer. This one almost goes so far in that direction that it's more of like a character study than, sure. it, than it is like a, a slasher. Well, and then that's a modernizing way to tell the story of a slasher. But mm. but isn't focusing on the victims rather than the killer a modernizing? I just I I feel like in idea? ways it's a, it's a, yeah sure it's a modernizing idea. Yeah. As but well. I still feel like in this movie what it did well was that the care like the people that he killed never really died throughout the whole movie so if we're talking about like this like everything when you guys just said it's like those characters kind of in ways to lived like throughout the whole fucking movie and i feel like with the idea of like this modern slasher is like he's killing them but he's like keeping them alive in a way and i feel like that was a unique twist on the like psychological or even just like manifestation of like what a like a murder film could but be. that's actually brought to life in a more impactful way in the first movie. Like they did a worse job of bringing that to life. It's really hard for us to be in this comparison because that's why I'm not talking about that original movie. Well, and no, like, you don't want to, but I'm just saying, like, I have that's no not context a modern for cla- it, so like, I feel bad that I'm yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at this film solely as like comparison for a modern slasher. But like, it's a classic slasher. And like that trope, there are certain elements of it, like the first person that definitely modernize it. Totally get that. Um, and if you like that, then that's that's a great way that it was modernized. But that particular element that we were just talking about um, of them, like him keeping them alive and all that stuff, that was central to the first movie, almost more so than this movie. So like, I, I, I can't buy that that's a modern element because it was there even in a more significant way in the 1980 version. But I feel like that only even plays into the fact that like, it's taking the idea of what happened then and bringing it more modern, like taking the story and like I mean, bringing it to the present day and then adding on top of that. You I mean, know it was made I mean? 32 years later, so it's modern in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, but it's the same. Sure. If you do the same thing 32 years later, doesn't mean that you modernized it. Sure. But I'm just looking at it as from solely from what is this movie in the context of a modern slasher and not necessarily in comparison to what happened 32 years ago, whereas she, that's exactly what you're doing. That is exactly what you're doing right now. And that's like, I, I, I don't have that context. So it's hard to she, defend She's that. saying, imagine you never saw the 1980. Yeah. And that this element is it's maintaining a slasher motif as well as like keeping the psychological element. Yeah. I mean, I get that. So, so I think I think what 
it is is that like that that whole part of the film even though it wasn't the 1980 film it adds to the psychological element of this character i get it but it makes it hard for me to attribute it to this movie mm-hmm. when it was when it already happened when it's just copying yeah. a movie no, from I get, 32 I get, years i get what you're saying I did, I, but I do think I, it makes it a more rich you know film, what? even I though it already love, was. You know what we should do on minisodes? Huh. I'm just going to toss it out there. There is a company called Banger, and they do a lot of like metal fucking work, and they t- like do like they basically created the metal subgenre tree that mm. exists, like family tree. <laughs> what I would love to I see us do, no, no, no. But at the same time, what they do in some of their like side shows that they have is they'll like take a subgenre of music, and they're like, "What makes this subgenre this subgenre?" And I feel like to be successful in this. This episode has been awesome, and I love the healthy debate. But what I would love to see is like being able to define those things so that like we know what we're picking because I think yeah. some things can be so subjective, and I think that's clearly what's happening so, to you. Yeah. So if I had Anyways. to kind of do like a breakdown like that, I think kind of the argument that we're running into a lot of is is Brian's film is modernized as far as script writing. Sure. Like yeah. it's it's modernized for the tastes of uh you know the taste of today mm-hmm. and that you know like you're saying it doesn't glorify the killer and things like that sure whereas meganized films are modernized aesthetically sure like there mm-hmm. there's a lot of camera movement and a lot of great you know uncommon shots within mine hers is obviously presented in a completely uncommon way throughout sure mm-hmm. so i think i think you you have to make those kind of sub breakdowns mm-hmm. however Brian's film does not maintain enough of the classic elements that would make it a slasher. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't agree with those as being modern slasher components. No, I and th- again, I no, I think they're universal slasher elements to make them universally. I think some are more important than others. And I, I, that, that I think that's, I think that's what it comes down to is we're putting different amounts of emphasis on certain elements, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is what it is for me. Body count and boobs is pretty high up there. <laughs> For an, 80 slasher, for an 80s slasher, yes. I for think modern, for I would slasher. say no. So that's, I think, where we're disagreeing. Uh, but it's in it's in Scream. Body Count and Boobs is in Scream. Yeah. Scream is the tipping point. And yeah. we're talking 2000 to present. Scream was 1990. Body Count and Boobs in Chrome Skull. Chrome Skull sucks. Are they legit? Are you talking about, like, I mean, I know we said 2000. Boobs and boobs. I know we said 2000 to present, but we probably could have included the 90s in that. Yeah, I I'm not going to lie. We probably, the movie? It's not called Chrome We Skull. probably it's, could have included the 90s because they were, I feel like, all the same. I don't think a lot changed in that period. Not yeah. too much, yeah. no. I feel so, like also there's one of those things where it's like, we we probably could have broke it up as like classic slasher and meta slasher. Yeah, like those are more. Then more that's Leslie up. Vernon verse. Yeah, Madrid, so but right, I also right. I'm like kind of interested and intrigued, especially with you guys being way more versed in like different horror genres of how you guys would break down. And I think it would be a really fun conversation to just like make almost like universal decisions on some of the topics, and it'd be really cool for a mini set. Mm. And granted. Our guests don't need to hear this, <laughs> but whatever. I'm just saying it out loud. Um, but anywho, so are we at the end? I think we probably if are. If we not, need to yeah. fucking wrap this up. I, think I am we probably so <laughs> excited. Yeah. So, uh, I am so glad I went last so that I could wrap this fucking up. All right. Um, so I still think, I still agree with mine as yeah. being, I think, the best. For I, I do as well. 
Do you still hold true to yours oh, as yeah, your yeah. first pick? I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were saying that you thought hers was the best one. I'm like, that was a okay. sudden unexpected <laughs> turn. You so were pretty down on that. we're going then next, I feel like yours is the second best. And I'm I, voting Meg as well. I think Steve's is the second best. Okay. Oh. Steve takes on the belt. So here's what here's what that means. Oh. Your boy Steve's taking home his first belt. You know belt. what? Fuck oh. you, Ryan. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, just, I still I still feel like you had so much shittier shit to defend against his and you didn't I didn't like your mine. movie. <laughs> okay, we're well, bitch then. I'm just saying Here's I really thing. didn't like Brian it. Brian comes from the place of actually seeing the original Maniac. It's yeah. Yeah. probably been years and years since I've seen it. I, I just like, watched I just it today. Like, it's yeah. it, the to original's me, it was time because Trace, I literally the day you and I talked, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go freaking finish this. I had started the original and I was just like, because I yeah. wanted the context. I yeah. wanted it. Mm. I, I mean, didn't, like, I didn't not... get to watch your OG either. So like, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, the first one, 76. Yeah, but, it was not I, funny, but, I, got but... To, I watched enough like when he killed the first prostitute. That's yeah. where I watched through. And I was like, OK, I have at least like, OK, I see where it's going. I get the it idea gets the way. Yeah, I yeah. really it, it's it's an uncomfortable movie. It's a grimy, sleazy yeah. movie. Yeah, because um, it's, like, it's like 70s New York. Yeah. Like dirty. It, it is it is yes it is ve- got this very kind of like you know 70s times square uh uh it kind of feels like a he- um, basket case <laughs> a yeah. little bit in that sense H- but had i rewatched the original more recently yeah maybe i've been more critical of megs yeah. but honestly i just i i i'm more impressed by visual work and that's yeah. where hush doesn't come doesn't come through. I thought, you know, some of the kill, like, you know, we didn't get this far and I'm not trying to pile on, but like some of the stab, like the, the best and most memorable scene of the maniac 2012 maniac is when he's under the car. He's, he chases her mm-hmm. through the subway, which mm-hmm. is a complete reshoot of the first movie. Mm-hmm. They chase her through the subway and then he slashes her Achilles tendon, which is not what happens in, in the original, but that was like, oh my god, that's brutal! And then when he like does the jump on top of her, starts stabbing her, he stabs her, and he pulls out, and there's nothing there. Stab, pulls out, nothing. Mm-hmm. Stab, pulls out. The CGI is awful in that scene. Yeah, and and like, yeah, it just. The, I feel like the way they redid Lucy. that, though, I yeah. feel like it was they the way they were able to like almost like the way you're describing it is I feel like the way they're able to play that off was like he was had so much shock that this was happening because almost every kill yeah. he almost comes so out Elijah of it. Wood's you know what I mean? Great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say yeah. for yeah. a second. Like, he's if, fucking fantastic. If you guys fantastic. wanted to go after Elijah Wood, I probably would no, have. No, I'm like, not going to. He's one of my favorite actors. He's no, fantastic. He's but like he just, it's it just like Joe Spinell is such he's the entire first movie yeah. yeah like he is a sweaty disturbed <laughs> like he doesn't there's no vanity in the performance at all guys we don't need to talk about maniac anymore okay <laughs> Do you know what we need to talk about? <laughs> All right. Get Steve the belt. Somebody give him the belt. Get Steve the belt. I am not excited. He's been like forewarning me that it, when he wins. I'm personally terrified of what he's going to make he's us watch. like, I am, I'm pretty terrified. Yeah. You know Steve, what? Steve is, is, is currently throwing the belt over his shoulder. I have gone through so many movies because you guys have kept, <laughs> keep making me lose. I keep making it worse because of you. Man, so let me ask you: yeah. Have either of you seen Tokyo Gore Police? No, no I've, I've heard no, about it. Came it. Up, it came up on like a I've list heard about of it, but I've Great. Not... Okay. Well, if I win next month, we'll watch that as a treat. <laughs> Fuck you! What is this month then? Oh my god, I'm so your terrified. punishment for next week from the year two thousand and one of our Lord. Oh God, is Cradle of Fear. 
oh, I God. do not know this movie. I don't not know this which movie. makes me way, way more scared. I thought for sure cradle, if I'm it's something right Cradle of Fear. Meg is starring. Scared. I like how you were so starring, prepared that you're like, I'm going to announce it no, now. No, starring the lead singer of Cradle of Filth, Danny yes! Filth. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, I, I, I have, have gone it. through three fucking it. movies. <laughs> oh my God! Music by Cradle. Of music filth. by Cradle of Filth, sort oh of. Oh my God! <laughs> no other music. Fucking apart. This movie. I'm is so excited to tell you to go. Shit. I'm. <laughs> I'm so excited to tell you to go fuck yourself. Oh, this no. movie is so much dog Wait, shit. Where can we watch it? Do you know offhand? Uh, it is on YouTube. Free. Yep. Okay. Yep, all two hours of it. <laughs> oh, God, guys, guys, we brought this on ourselves. We Be brought nicer this on, to Steve in the We future. brought this on ourselves. Uh, how, how the mighty have fallen. Um, yeah, Brian, how does it feel to be a loser? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm still the all-time winningest host in in, in, in I'm learning this game now, for the time. Now, for the time. I'm learning this game. Uh, Guys, I, I know you're what, never gonna choose what, me. What, what game is to learn? I mean, it, like, honestly, Meg, I was very, very close to picking yours. It's yeah. just the the psychology, a lot of the psychology fell apart in that film. Mm. Like, if it was a little more solid on like mm. what his afflictions were, and I'm pretty sure it was pretty clear. I really didn't were. like I... the first person. It just his like you know, Joe Spinell's like bitches. grunting I'm and stuff. Out. I hate. Yeah, it. see, see, and like you couldn't. You couldn't separate yourself from the, you know, the the previous. The, I didn't. The previous I didn't. I've seen the first one so many times, but yeah. but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's God, too bad for you, I Brian. Watch Cradle of Filth movie. <laughs> it <laughs> sucks so much. I can't wait. Well, we have reached a conclusion in a marathon episode? episode. I can't imagine how long it is. It might have to be two parts. Uh, it might even part. be three parts. It might even be three parts. <laughs> Jesus um, fucking crazy. But Steve, Steve has, uh, has reigned supreme and will for the entire month of September. But guess what? You if know that what? was SummerSlam, guess what WrestleMania <laughs> is? <laughs> Is October WrestleMania October pretty much? October is got to be the equivalent of WrestleMania. Like we our... need to just like pick a very specific subgenre that's so perfect for that. Like, yes. you know, I We will figure something spooky ooky out. <sighs> Maybe we'll present some options to the uh, the audience that are all spooky ooky. We will figure it out. Yeah. I feel like over the next month I'm just going to like make small challenges. We we, we, we may out. not uh we may not even result uh, resort to the wheel. We may just pick our own subgenres and then let the audience vote. We might need to just cuz we definitely want it to be Halloween related. Yeah. Right? We want it to be spooky ooky, but well, this has been fun. It has been a marathon. I'm exhausted. I'm drunk. Um, this was a lot of fun. I always leave here drunk. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. That happens sometimes. <laughs> um, but for for the rest of the Halloween is Forever crew, I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Steve. The champion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Would you like me to drop these two jamokes on their broken ass necks? Oh, fuck you. What? 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 <laughs> what?